Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Ho, 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 and happy holidays to all of the D-Aliens out there. DA with you here on a very special episode of the PGP. Won't be the normal pulling back the curtain on the show, the show about the show, the show within the show. No, instead, it is a very special 12 to 1, 12 DAs of Christmas. This was brought up by our listeners last week, and we said this is a great idea. And so you will hear from start to finish the 12 DAs of Christmas, the most memorable moments of 2020. We start with number 12. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The 12 DAs of Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. And everyone's yelling at me for being frustrated because the two of you are just ignoring something that can't be ignored. You added incorrectly. You just did. I didn't add incorrectly. I might have added essay Stop points. Stop talking about might. You the math did it. wasn't incorrect. You did I, it wrong. You would have been thrown out of a test. Thrown out of a test? I'm doing it. Is everybody yapping around? You kept talking to yourself. Oh, you shut up, Pete. You know what? Take a laugh. Shut up. Point is this. Na, 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 na. 11-10. There it is. Fine. Oh, I'm so tired of you. What do you mean you're tired I'm of so me? Tired we didn't of you. see each other for 18 days, and now you're tired of me? Don't you have another week to take off? Just see my update guy, and he's bleeding on the street. <laughs> so I just said, all right, I guess it's more night again now, and I walk him down to urgent care. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> This is some day for your impersonations, DA. I mean, you've been locked in on three different people. Dead Chris Berman, Dickie V, and Morty the Lemur. Frank Caliendo's toast after today's show. <laughs> Evan Ingram is the ball in his hand. Everybody's going to wake up saying Daniel Jones sucks. Catch the ball. You're up 11 points. Catch the ball. The time is now. The place is here. And the whole wide world is filled with chairs. What do you do for four hours every single day when there are no sports to talk about? So we went into the kitchen, went into the laboratory, started concocting some potions. And one of the things we came up with was breaking down a sports movie each and every week. On Wednesday mornings, the DA show would break down another, sometimes classic, sometimes not so classic. 
It began spiraling out of control as the spring and summer wore on. We went from the classics like Mighty Ducks and other legendary sports films. Those are not so legendary, I suppose. The Natural Field of Dreams. And we started getting into the ridiculousness. We watched and reviewed in depth Ed. The story of a chimpanzee that played third base for a minor league baseball team alongside hard-throwing flamethrower Matt LeBlanc. On May the 26th, we got number 12 of the 12 DAs, a review of a chimpanzee sports movie which wove and dovetailed into the plot of Dunstan Checks In. Let's play number 12. Number 12. The chimp wasn't... Dunstan, right? Dunstan was the kid that owned the chimp? Correct. Are you sure? So Dunstan checks in? So who checks in? The human or the monkey? No, I think the monkey was named Dunstan. The movie is about a monkey? Well, the well, the movie's about Jason Alexander has like this big client coming to stay at the hotel, and now his son has found a monkey that was in a suitcase, and the yeah. monkey's staying no, in a Sean's room. Sean's right. Is that right? So it's not about yeah, the kid, Dunstan it's about the, the monkey. monkey. Dunstan yeah, is the monkey. Kyle, I believe. I mean, guys, the kid, the kid's already there. He's his son. Of course the monkey checked in. The whole point is the monkey's <laughs> goes chaos in a hotel. Well, I, I know Dunstan checks in from its DVD cover, which is the monkey hugging a kid in a backwards hat and a, right. and, and a button down tied around his waist. So I'm thinking Dunstan is the kid, and the monkey is like, yeah, what kind you know, of premise would be the Mikey. kid checking in? <laughs> You're telling me that the movie's about a kid him. checking in? No. Yeah, no, Dunstan's monkey. It's Dunstan and his buddy, the monkey, are no, both no. checking into this nice the hotel. Title, the title of the movie isn't Dunstan and his monkey checks into Hilton. <laughs> it's Dunstan checks in. The monkey checks in. That's what's funny Actually, about the movie. We're all kind of a little bit wrong. I'm reading the synopsis on IMDb. So the monkey is Dunstan, but he doesn't check in. <laughs> of course, villainous... he doesn't have a credit card, Bogus. Of course, he doesn't physically check in. Named it's a Rutledge <laughs> checks in with his orangutan. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So it's a jewel thief's orangutan, and then right. so Correct. Dunstan but Kyle befriends Dunstan. Dunstan befriends the monkey. Got it. No, <laughs> Dunstan, Dunstan befriends is the monkey. Door. He is the monkey. Who's on first? So but who's in. on first? Did you know that Dunstan Checks In is from 96 and Ed is? So the summer of 96 just had multiple chimpanzee movies. They were hot in Hollywood in 96. Makes me really want to go back to simpler time and just enjoy 1996 again. Yes, if this summer was 1996, I'd be really happy. This summer is is setting up to be the worst summer in human existence. Let's go back to the summer where people were just making movies about monkeys all over the place. That can't be coincidence that two monkey movies come out and both (laughs) happen with characters from major sitcoms in the 90s on NBC. Like, there had to have been, like, somebody had to have, maybe it was the Dunstan Yeah, it's the monkey movie wars. Who could do it first? And then another movie producer was like, whoa, get somebody from Friends, get another monkey. What can we do? This one's already checking into the hotel. Okay, you get one to play third base? Let's do this. It's like Fox Searchlight or MGM execs are coming in. We're going to get killed this summer. There's a monkey movie with Costanza. All right. Somebody get another monkey. Get me okay. Joey. Get somebody Get somebody on friend on the horn from Friends. Chandler says he Schwimmer. won't do a monkey movie. All right. Who's Schwimmer next? Says no. Kudrow said no way. Get LeBlanc. 
We need the monkey movie. Forget Independence Day or Twister. We have monkey movies. <laughs> need it. Mothership at the movies <laughs> hit its nadir. Some would say apex, but hit its low point. When in back-to-back weeks or two out of three weeks, this was the late May, early June window of Mothership at the Movies. We'd already been doing it for two and a half months. We reviewed Ed, in which the chimpanzee plays third base for the minor league baseball team. And then Eddie, in which... God, I even forget what happens in Eddie. Whoopi Goldberg coaches the Knicks. (laughs) Just remember the meme. And the Knicks almost moved to St. Louis (laughs) at the end. Right. Whoopi Goldberg is a cab driver, somehow falls into being a fan slash owner and saves them from moving with Cowboy Bill to the St. Louis market, right? It was a good movie. I know. She just became the head coach, not an owner. She had no stake. Okay. It was at this point in time where we thought we were doing the right thing by the audience. We had figured we had already reviewed all of the known sports films <laughs> and we thought we were doing good by the audience by reviewing little watched little remembered films that were obviously absurd like ed and eddie but there was a revolt the audience was unhappy with our decision making we thought it was a good bit the din of the crowd was why are you guys forcing us to listen to two hours because you also have to remember that Mothership at the Movie segments started as just one segment per show and then expanded to two segments per show, then expanded to two segments plus the entirety of the PGP. So if you were a loyal listener to the show, you were getting approximately an hour and a half on Wednesdays analysis of the mid-90s monkey wars. We're sorry. Yeah, plus a sports minute. (laughs) <laughs> so it was all over the place. <laughs> you couldn't avoid it, whether you wanted to or not. Apologize. <laughs> if you if you remember too, Eddie was Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg coaching the Knicks was so little watched and so little ranked that the only place you could find it was a sketchy YouTube copy of the movie. It wasn't even available to rent on like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or any of these. No. It was somebody had taped their VHS and thrown it on YouTube, but it was the only way to find. Is your computer a virus? If you wanted to watch Eddie, where Whoopi Goldberg stars as coach of the Knicks, you <laughs> could not go to Hulu or Netflix or anything. It was not available. As Mraz just said, we had to watch it on a bootleg YouTube version. <laughs> and YouTube shuts these things down. They say, no, you can't have full-length feature films on here unless we actually pay for them and or you, you pay for them. And Eddie is so little respected. It is so unrenowned that they don't even care. It's like having a home movie. They're like, who cares? We're not even going to abide by the Hollywood rules here. Guy getting up to get his popcorn in the middle of it. That window of late May, early June was we had officially lost our minds. I enjoyed them. Mothership at the movies. I, I will never forget it. I enjoyed those films. Number 12 of the 12 DAs of Christmas. This was a relatively recent entry into the 12 DAs of Christmas. This comes to us from early November, just after the election, and when we were still counting votes and deciding states and waiting for the official word. We got into a rabbit hole 
where looking back on Peter Schwartz's social media timeline, he was popping out the popcorn and enjoying the drama of it all. From November the 6th, here is number 11. Number 11. Listener Ken retweeted this or let us know about it and said, earth-shattering update from DA show correspondent Peter Schwartz. Step down, bogus. <laughs> Schwartz is like, man, I only watch Jets games and Islanders hockey, but this whole thing where the future of the country balances delicately on a couple of mail-in votes happens to be kind of interesting. I'll see your Schwartz and raise you, Schwartz. <laughs> man, this is wild. I never knew politics could be so interesting. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a picture of him getting free red, white, and blue bagels from the deli up the block yet. <laughs> <laughs> I usually only pay attention to Islanders shift changes, but man, <laughs> 140 million votes could be separated by just one or two electoral states. This is kind of fascinating. What matters is our plan. I never knew you could mail in a vote. I'm usually just worried about how you get free tickets to a Yankee game. <laughs> I usually only pay attention to the Long Island Duck season ticket package, but now I realize there's two political parties that don't like one another. Just want to wish you a happy 10th birthday. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm usually just trying to troll B-level athletes to say happy birthday to my sons on social media, but now I realize... That we decide the presidential election on the first November every four years. Hey, Jared, this is Bill Moy from the New York Lizards. <laughs> and you can, and you can bank on whoever wins the election. The first tweet at them will be Schwartz asking to bring back the triple big gulp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What happened to the McDLT? <laughs> I usually don't pay attention to the colors blue and red because my favorite team is green. But in this case, I'm noticing that Democratic states are painted blue and Republican states are painted red. This is fascinating. <laughs> his voice and made him every Adam Sandler character ever. <laughs> Man, me, me and the family, we're glued to this stuff. <laughs> we haven't been able to put down the chicken fingers since Tuesday night. This is great. Chicken nuggets. Chicken <laughs> November the 6th, 2020, Schwartz's election coverage. You know, it's hysterical, Mraz, because Schwartz hasn't been part of this show. 
in like five years. <laughs> he continues to be the greatest source of humor that we have ever had. I mean, just yesterday we were doing the bit of James Harden at Miller's Ale House celebrating Bradley Schwartz's birthday. And Peter Schwartz trying to get James Harden to pay for everybody. And now number 11, the 12 DAs, is Schwartz stumbling upon this amazing drama that is election 2020. His life in social media is a walking (laughs) sitcom. Every day on his Twitter account, every day is a new episode. So that election stuff was great. Was the election, by the way, the same time that he had what we had a debate was whether they were a bowl of French fries or a bowl of tasteless noodles? The the snack tray out? (laughs) I don't even remember. Was that election night? That was the Island of Playoffs. Okay. You see what I mean? We've lost track. There's so many episodes. We don't remember which episode is which. So, But that food, that buffet came up twice because it happened, Sean, when D.A wasn't here oh, okay the and initial one that was a day yeah. that you and i were filling in and then it did come back up it might have been during this segment right. and because da hadn't seen it and that's right. when we went into is it fries okay. or noodles that was right and that deck dawned on it because he was eating watching the election again we get more content out of a guy that hasn't worked for us in five years <laughs> than anybody else and he's not even trying he just does it his life just does it it really is extraordinary like Zach Gelb is trying to get us to talk about him. Schwartz is trying to get us to ignore him, and we can't stop talking about Peter Schwartz. Right. Poor Shep is writing nine-page NBA emails for a mention and can't get one. I forget things that my wife asks me to do every day, but I will remember to check that Twitter feed to see what Schwartz is doing. (laughs) So... It is one of the most amazing... I don't know how we got here, but... We're going to have not only, you know, the James Harden. We just spun this into James Harden (laughs) trying to be going to Bradley Schwartz's birthday party and having, you know, Pete try to get him to pay for everything. That into number 11 of the 12 DAs of Christmas, which is his election coverage, into you hearing me reference Long Island Ducks baseball games, which just happened to come up yesterday in Schwartz's feed, (laughs) where where Mraz, being the beat reporter of all things Peter Schwartz, sent us all a screenshot of Schwartz at a minor league baseball stadium in the middle of December. Now, we didn't know what he was doing there, except for he referenced a holiday sale. And we're thinking, what the hell is a holiday sale at an empty empty minor league baseball ballpark? And Mraz, because you were the Brian Windhorst, the Adrian Wojnarowski of this beat, you were able to drop a Schwartz bomb yesterday. And what did you find for the reason behind him being randomly at an empty baseball stadium in early December. Their team shop, which is in the stadium, they invited people in the stadium to shop for merchandise. Remember, they didn't have a season this year, and they were having a flash sale specifically yesterday (laughs) where items would be dropped between $1 and $5, basically playing the price right and everything must go. And that, to me, was the bingo card of why Peter had made his way into that place. Care to venture on what a Long Island Ducks gift would be that was priced at one to five dollars at the team <laughs> shop? What exactly are you going for there? Definitely a pen. I, I'm going to go plastic batting helmet. I think is one. Okay. And okay. they also are very big on these things called quackers, which basically are a lanyard <laughs> around your neck, and it's almost like a whistle that makes a quack sound. And basically, you know, as the team's rallying, the whole crowd. <laughs> Those things usually are about like eight bucks, so I'm assuming they got knocked down to five bucks, something That's like that. It. So everybody around the holidays getting a bunch of quackers and batting helmets around that Schwartz house. 
Okay. Any any gate any guess any wager from you, Bogues? I mean, judging by the state of minor league baseball and this being an independent team, I'm surprised you couldn't buy a player yesterday for something <laughs> more, more significant. They need any cash they can get. Like, here, take a bat, take the dugout. Can you carry a home plate out of here? Anything should have been on the table. I think for $1 to $5, I could see them selling the set of baseball cards to these guys, you know, that team set that they have up near the register. Mm. The only thing is that when it's minor league players, that's not a real team set. It is issued by the team. It's not by tops. It's not upper deck or anything. So this is Pete thinking that he's getting a real steal on the one dollar twenty sixteen Long Island Ducks team set that he's going to check out those oh. trading cards. From this screenshot, I noticed also that they've got a holiday a holiday shopping kickoff, including visits from Quacker Jack. Uh-huh, Am mascot. I guessing that this is their mascot? Yeah, he's a big duck instead of Cracker Jack. They call him <laughs> Quacker Jack. He's a big old duck with the uniform on. Cracker Jack's all fun. Actually, my father-in-law used to play poker with Quacker Jack. <laughs> As not, Quacker Jack? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Quacker Jack, very big on the cigarettes in between hands. Okay, now this is a great <laughs> other storyline as well. Are you telling me the mascot for a minor league baseball team named Quacker Jack is actually some ruthless chain-smoking gambler underneath? Yeah, and a cab driver in his part-time. <laughs> Quack. Basically, he is my father-in-law with a more stable job. Would be <laughs> with more career advancement. Right. Right. Look away, kid. I'm on my second pack here. Quack. Uh, Jack, you can take the costume off. It's just adults here. No. I'll never yeah, forget when he told me he played with Quacker Jack. I said, of course you do. Of course you know the real Quacker Jack and you play cards with him. I could only imagine the Schwartz boys turning the corner around section number 304 and seeing Quacker Jack with his hat off, his head off, smoking a heater. What do you want from me, Bradley? Quack. You Quack. Done here? Dad, he's not Quack. a real duck. Quacker Jack in real life is basically bad Santa. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, we saw Quacker Jack without his head on. <laughs> we got chicken fingers There's out. a person in there. Person. <laughs> he looks like a degenerate gambler. <laughs> I think he was drunk. <laughs> what do you want from me, kid? <laughs> I've been doing minor league independent baseball for 17 years, all right? <laughs> You would think, like, nice college kid, intern. No, 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 no. They got the guy basically half-shaven smoking cigs as the mascot. And he's visiting everybody at a holiday sale. If you got any cash on you, I can take you down to the mall. The cab's running. <laughs> basically, Quacker Jack is Jody back if he didn't get into radio. <laughs> Look away, kid. I'm humiliated. This is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> And I was once on a roll at West Babylon High. <laughs> Were the Ducks, look- by the way, part of the uh, Schwartz PA empire? <laughs> got, Did that got not do- happen this summer? No, he got to do five games in the summer of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Stop looking so scared. This is your future, kid. I was valedictorian. West Babylon High. I almost went to Duke. (laughs) I could have been somebody. I didn't want to take communal showers. (laughs) 
Is the hat game over yet? I gotta get back on the field. <laughs> Enough with this game already. <laughs> we go back to last December, December the 20th, right before the holidays, when Nancy Mraz, Mama Mraz, Mraz's mother, calls into the show to defend the honor of her son. This, remember, is swirling around him losing the bet, the season-long competition of Dave Friedman, a.k.a. Super Dave, being forced to take the SAT in the new year. Here's number 10 of the 12 DAs of Christmas. Number 10. Nancy, good morning. Good morning, Damon. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you this holiday season? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and Pete and Andrew. Are you upset? Um, am I upset? No. Oh. I'm not. I'm actually calling to defend myself. Okay. Okay, because yeah. first off, um, Sean will tell you that me, number one, I'm Jeopardy ready. Okay, so I am not a stupid woman. I never so said you Sean were. Got, Sean got stupid genes from his father's side. Okay. Okay, um, and also, as far as uh, I see get you a degree... Basically, um, when Sean was in college and on the uh, five-year plan, uh-huh. basically I had to stay that stay, get the C, and get out. Get that C, get that diploma, get out. So you were all about um, winning ugly. Didn't matter how you won, just get the W, move out of there. You know, it, you, you do get to the point where you have to pick and choose the barrels. <laughs> and um, knowing Sean was not going to be a rocket scientist... <laughs> Um, Any, so, does any of the things that he says on the air make you cringe? Well, yes, at times they do, because I, I'm like, how can you be that stupid? Okay, um, but Sean is more, rather than being intellectual, Sean is more street smart, oh, yeah. which I think maybe I would rather have a street smart person than a book smart person. Well. It's interesting so, because I I know both of your daughters, and mm-hmm. they, oh. they are very smart. They've always gotten oh. really good grades. It's, uh, his sister, Samantha, graduated, like, number four in her class. Yeah. Got her, her college. She went to college for nothing, got a free ride. You know, I, I don't know how they all came out different people. I really, I don't. But um, Sean, Sean has learned a lot, especially over the last year. Between having a pregnant wife and a new house. Um, so he has learned a lot. As far as intellectually, I think maybe he's as, as far as he can come. But you know what? He's a good person. He'd do anything for you. Um, and, you know, I, I just think I'd rather have a good, decent human being than, you know, a, a book smart, um, smart out. I would totally agree. I think the one thing that you instilled in all of your kids was a really good heart. I love all of them. Yeah. Sean is a very good friend of mine. I trust him yeah. and I love him yeah. and I love your family. I'm just, yeah. I'm consistent. We love you too. Well, thank you. I'm just consistently dumbfounded that the rest of you guys seem to be relatively smart and he's, mm-hmm. and he seems like he really doesn't know anything consistently and kind of proud of it. Yes. Yes. But that's Okay. That's okay. You know what? If he wants to think that that everything has is salt water, that's fine. That's fine. You know, we did take him freshwater fishing when he was little. 
We've taken him saltwater fishing. And as far as him being in canoes, you don't want to know what it looks like with Sean getting into a canoe. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10 on the 12 days of Christmas, Mama Mares. Oh, (laughs) there are some doozies in that interview. Intellectually, he's come as far as he can. (laughs) I I have held his hand through life, and this is officially his brain's finish line. (laughs) It sounds like from top to bottom, like she's introducing the charity fundraiser for her special son, Sean, and why you should donate money. (laughs) That's not nice. She said you you have come as far as you can intellectually. It's as far almost, as canoes. It's almost like she's hosting an alien from a different planet or a robot that she that she built. He's out. Also, she called you street smart. I mean, what, what? Like you grew up on the street running numbers? What exactly does street yeah. smart mean? pounded by flower socks? I learned the streets. <laughs> you lived at home until your 30s. What exactly That's was street smart? That's not true. <laughs> when, when did she push you out of the nest and give you the, the tough lessons of the streets? <laughs> Street, I'm savvy on the streets. I know the street stuff. What is the savviness that is required in your life for on the streets these days? I, it's intangibles, DA. It's intangibles. I don't it's know. Intangibles. Also, your mom appreciates winning ugly. Just get the degree and get out. I don't care if it's a 13 9 slobber knocker. Just put the W on the board. That's it. As far Why as the W? Intellectually, I think maybe he's a, as far as he can come. <laughs> <laughs> she and loves then, telling her sister all three of her kids graduated college. That's all it counts to her. And then also for your mom to lead, the lead punch is, hey, I'm Jeopardy ready. I'm no stupid I know. one. Sean got yeah. jeans from his father's side. I'm sure she'd really just crush it on Jeopardy, yeah. <laughs> watching, watching it with a Stouffer's mac and cheese every night doesn't exactly make you Jeopardy ready. <laughs> And if we're making a list of the best sentences ever said on this show, Sean got the stupid genes from his dad is top three at worst. Sean got stupid genes from his father's side. Does your mom really believe that your dad's side is stupid? Um... my guess would be yes at this point. I mean, (laughs) to be fair, my mom's side was smarter. My mom did have a cousin on Jeopardy. That won really? a lot of money on Jeopardy. Yes, she did. My mom's cousin. I've met her like twice. She lives like okay. up in Massachusetts. So that that family overall was definitely, I would say, smarter, more nerdier, if you will. I have cousins on that side. That's the side where the guy had the engineering degree that I thought was selling hospital beds. So and went to do <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's a big finance they moved guy. moved north on purpose, right? No, that there is no. He lives in Massapequa, but yeah, there is a uh, there is a de- definitive line between. Between them and us, where basically we have four cousins doing spray tanning, like on my dad's <laughs> side. So there's, <laughs> that's where we're at. So, so is this a running narrative in your family that your mom's well, side is smart and your dad's side's a bunch of of 
less than intellectuals? It's more unspoken than anything because okay. then, you know, my dad will throw out, you know, your mom's side doesn't know how to entertain, stuff like that, you know. So they, there's always constant Okay, fighting. well, entertaining's my not Bob. necessarily the same. But, you know, oh, Bob, with, Bob. The, with the bar and the deli, you know, so he takes that more prideful. So, I, look, there's, a, there's always a nip and tuck between the families, you know. <laughs> But basically, my dad stopped talking to all his siblings like it's a game of Survivor. Somebody gets voted off the, off the tribe every year, so who knows? <laughs> There's also been fist fights in the lawn right. on your it's dad's side. Street smart. They, yeah, exactly. That's where I get my street smarts from. The bare-knuckle <laughs> boxing on the front lawn is my grandpa's on his deathbed. That's always fun. You know, it's kind of amazing the evolution of Nancy Mraz on the show over just one calendar year. Back in December of last year, she's admitting that, hey, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed, Mm -hmm. and she's a little embarrassed of you. And then we fast forward, and she's the one saying, we're ganging up on you. That's right. You need to defend yourself. You should tell them how how smart you are. I mean, there she's saying, I don't know about the saltwater thing. We once took him fishing when he was little. (laughs) (laughs) And now, if we had her on the show, it's all about how... You know, we're unfairly portraying you as a dunce. Well, remember yeah. that that call was two days prior to my daughter being born. So I think there was an, an influx of when I became a dad, she felt my life changed and thus I shouldn't be a punching bag anymore. You don't do want to think- know what it yeah. looks like with Sean getting into a canoe. <laughs> I think that, if I had to guess, that's where she was at. And that part was accurate. It's tough when I get into a canoe. It takes me six tries. She also- my butt's out the whole time. She also wished me a happy holiday. I don't even think she will say my name anymore. So there's a lot of change from my vantage point in a whole year with Nancy. True. true. You're dead to Nancy right now. <laughs> dead. A hundred percent dead. <laughs> On September the 25th, we had Mraz unveil his 75th anniversary team. Not football or baseball or basketball. Not his favorite teams. No, from his life, if there was a list of the most iconic people from his life, who would be on it? Here it is, number nine of the 12 DAs of Christmas 2020. Number nine. There's a lot that's gone into making this what it is. And what it is is a big floppy mess. Yeah. Obviously, I don't need to give big speeches about my parents, my wife, my daughter. They would all be on the team, but who cares? I'm not going to go down that road, right? <laughs> There are a couple special ones, and let me just start with Kim Rico. Now, you might remember Kim Rico from the fall of 2003, who interviewed a 16-year-old me with spiked hair and decided, this is the sandwich artist I need to hire. She was the first to give me a job, hired me at Subway, (laughs) taught me everything I needed to know about the veggie uh, game, if you will, in Subway, because I was not eating healthy at the time. And and really, that set up uh, you know my potential for working hard and all of that. She oh, installed great. all of that. Oh, yeah. So that is such <laughs> a big stunk. part of it. Now, what goes hand in hand is earlier in my life, before I got met, hooked up with a Kim Rico, I just want to give a shout out to Beatrice Murray. Beatrice Murray, you might remember from West Babylon High School, fantastic lunch lady at the time. <laughs> and she was the first in my life to undercook a chocolate chip cookie. And where this what? really played in... Is by senior year, I was taking three lunches. And all I had really known from my father taking the cheap way out as far as groceries went was a Chips Ahoy. Occasionally, we might burn some cookies in the oven. 
But when Beatrice burst onto the scene in West Babylon High School, yeah. she did something I'd never seen before that's really taken it by storm. She underbaked cookies, so it was a little doughier in the middle. <laughs> it took off. I fell in love with cookies back then. I still love cookies to this day. Later in my Subway days, I would also underbake cookies as well. The heck with salmonella. A cookie is better underbaked. And Beatrice really left her fingerprints all over me. <laughs> I'd also, also love... <laughs> <laughs> to add both of, uh, or all three of my dogs in my life, Wellington J and currently Eli to my 75th anniversary team. You know, the best part about having a dog is they don't talk back. And it's some of my darkest moments having conversations with those dogs and them just licking me and giving me their bad breath back really gave me the sanity I deserve. Now, I would also like to add George Higgins to my 75th anniversary list. George is responsible for being the longtime commissioner of the Long Island Flag Football League. Why is that important to me? You say, well, way back when I was recruited to play offensive line at West Babylon High School by some of the linemen when when a right guard went down junior year. They saw a stunk, uh, fat kid, loved football, loved sports. They thought I could be a plug-and-play guard. Problem is, my mother did not sign for my permission to slip to play football my entire life. She was scared of injury. What George Higgins did with evolving this Long Island Flag football league is he gave me a safe outlet to play football, <laughs> organize football, and I got to chase down a dream of playing tight end. And I stood in there in the trenches and played tight end every fall and spring from the years 2003 to the years 2018 on the Young Guns. And without George Higgins living that dream of a guy who couldn't get down the field but thought he could, really, really was something special. So I'd like to thank George Higgins for that. And I guess... Last but not least, <laughs> this is a tough one, but I'm going to go with Steve. And who's Steve, you might say? Well, we never got a last name, but he is our long, long-time waiter at the Farmingdale, Long Island Applebee's. Wow. Now, when I was in high school before legal alcohol happened, there was only one thing to do after 10 o'clock, and that was go to Applebee's for half-price appetizers. And we would always sit at the table where Steve got it. Steve looked a lot like Usher. We eventually started calling him Usher down the line. But Steve was the first person in my life to memorize an order. He knew I walked in there. It was raspberry iced tea on the rocks. It was boneless wings mild. Order of mozzarella stick. The order would come to about $14 every single Friday night. And that little bit of respect went a long way, D.A., because I remember that feeling of knowing that you were a usual, right? If you're a usual and somebody remembers your order, that's important. That makes you feel important. And no other waiter since had made me feel that way. And I like to make people feel important going forward. And I like to make people feel special. And that's because Steve remembered my boneless wings and mozzarella stick and raspberry iced tea order. He would have to be on my 75th anniversary team. Number nine on the 12 DAs of Christmas. You know, it's amazing. I think we were talking about how the NBA was going to do a 75th anniversary team coming up in 2021-2022. So not this year, but next year. I think that's how we got there. And right before break, I said to Mraz, Mraz, coming back from break, let's get your 75th anniversary team for your life. I thought it might be good. It was so much better than I could have ever, ever, ever dreamt of going into that break. I mean, how did you know the full name, both first and last, of your lunch lady? I didn't know the first name of any of my lunch ladies. You knew the first and last, Beatrice Murray, and you actually said when Beatrice Murray, first of all, you had a lunch lady named Beatrice. I mean, that's just <laughs> all types of, of central casting. But you had the sentence, when Beatrice Murray burst upon the scene. <laughs> 
it should be noted. <laughs> like Derek Thomas with a seven-sack game <laughs> when Beatrice Murray burst upon the scene. And it wasn't until two, three years later in college that I realized Beatrice happened to be. Whereas the college years when he has the same lunch ladies. But I didn't know. <laughs> so in, in, in my homeroom, one of my friends I grew up playing sports with, a kid by the name of Nick Murray. I never knew that that was Nick Murray's mom because I never went over to Nick Murray's house. We only, you know, played sports together and stuff. And it wasn't until college where, you know, we were all doing some kind of meetup, maybe playing like some kind of baseball game or something that Beatrice came and dropped him <laughs> off. And I said, Nick, why are you with the lunch lady? He goes, dude, that's my mom. And I found out all these. Go, why are you with the lunch lady? Why are you with the cookie gal? Right. I said, wait a minute. Your mom, the home of the underbaked cookie, is the lunch lady? They're the same person? And and Nick had always brought, like, baked goods and stuff, too. So Beatrice, I still know to this day, and she's a saint. I never knew, though, that she was my friend's mother. I had no idea. Also, three of the four of those are all food-based. Subway, Lunch Lady, and Applebee's Waiter, which just goes to show you the weight behind your, your votes and the significance yeah. in your life. Also, yeah, you're right. You know, again, a psychologist would hear that 75th anniversary team <laughs> look at my stomach and say, can you add one plus one? And the Applebee's Waiter Usher is so good because, again, I wouldn't have known the name of any of my waiters over the course of my life. I certainly didn't go to any place where I was a, quote, regular like Cheers. But you were a regular, not at a bar, but at Applebee's. Mm -hmm. And you were, at a, you were a regular on the single most 18-year-old order ever. Raspberry iced tea, boneless <laughs> chicken wings mild, and what was the third? Mozzarella sticks. Mud sticks. Like, Half-price apps, baby. This is... This is what I talk about. I could I could have sat down for days, months, and not written a joke as good as Schwartz tweeting to the president upon inauguration to bring back French fries in schools. I could have sat down for hours and tried to write the joke. What would 18-year-old Mraz, what would his order be at Applebee's to where he would be a regular? <laughs> and they'd be like winking at him. Hey, <laughs> hey big guy. Can I refill the iced tea? Get you those boneless <laughs> wings right away? Mild, right? And just like have Mraz so jolly walking into Applebee's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know me, guys. Hey, all right. Big Tuesday. It's just all types of perfect. Yeah, just know on a lot of those Friday nights when people might have been watching Boise State at home or whatever, that's where I was basically in the early 2000s at that Farmingdale Applebee's. 10 o'clock, we were just looking to do something to watch a football game and pound mozzarella sticks and boneless wings. And you know that deep down, everybody looked at us like, oh, they're not old enough to drink. They're not going to spend any money here if they're 10, and we never did. We never spent <laughs> enough money, but Steve remembered anyway and took care of us. Bogues, you're a Long Island resident. Do you know this, this notable Applebee's? Well, I, I'm a new Long Island resident, and that's not where near where I am right now. So, no, I do not know that one. But right where I grew airport. up in Queens, there was a TGI Fridays, which is basically the same thing that acted as the late-night Applebee's in Farmingdale. So I know where Sean's coming from in this. Because I kind of wonder, is there a bronzed stool at the Farmingdale Applebee's <laughs> where they <laughs> this was once where CBS Sports Radio legend – Mraz used to sit down every Friday night. Steve ended up getting our number, by the way. You might remember, I told a story years ago on here about LL Cool J ending up at a local Applebee's by us. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that. LL Cool yeah. J's from Long Island originally. 
that was the Applebee's. And Steve, the waiter, because he knew, you know, obviously I was coming, tipped us off and said, dude, it's 8 o'clock, not 10. You wouldn't believe it's LL Cool J's in here and got us there. He had one of our numbers. Might have been like a Nextel bleep where he bleeped us. <laughs> and we got down there, and sure enough, LL Cool J was sitting in the back corner with a big, you know, entourage at Applebee's. Steve, I think... LL Cool J's from Queens. I don't know if he's from Long Island, but either way, I, yeah. he was at he was at this Applebee's, and Steve, your waiter, gave you the heads up. Hey, get down here. You'll want to peer <laughs> over four booths to look at LL Cool J <laughs> yep. eat celery sticks. Exactly. And as it turned out, we could only see him from outside the window. We couldn't get into the place. Was a mob. <laughs> the place was a mob. We ended up at a Chinese buffet for food that day instead. <laughs> Was the place mob because LL Cool J was eating? Uh, there was local buzz. People had created some local buzz. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of a sudden, Applebee's had an hour wait to get a table. What are you, nuts? <laughs> For one night in 2004, the Farmingdale Applebee's became the most popular destination on Long Island. <laughs> that night, there would be no zingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 75th anniversary team by Mirage. So good. Let's go back to October 23rd. You look at the Giants season right now and go, wow, look at how they have this optimism, this hope. They just went to Seattle and won. Man, this is a team that is on the verge of going to 500, having a home playoff game, getting respect around the NFL. Well, it wasn't always like that this season. Back in late October, it was another gruesome, difficult loss to stomach for one Sean Mraz. Number eight, the bag on the head. Number eight. Mraz, will you be donning that paper bag all morning long or just when we talk about the Giants? No, all morning. That's it. As long as you can hear my voice. Do I sound all right this morning? Yeah, you sound okay. fine. Yeah. What a freaking disgrace that was, DA. An utter freaking disgrace. You could change the coach. You could change the roster. It does not matter. Every year we suck, and you can't beat the God Eagles. The Eagles. We can't beat the Eagles. 2013. First year of overnights, DA. First year. How long have we come? That's the last time we went into Philly and won, and it took five field goals to do it. Evan Ingram has the ball in his hands, and everybody's going to wake up saying Daniel Jones sucks. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. You're up 11 points. Five minutes left. Catch the ball. Now here we are. One and six. Joe Judge can't beat him. Shermer can't beat him. McAdoo can't beat him. How many years? How many prime time games do I have to put out the chips and dip and think maybe this is it. Maybe this is the week. Only to have our absolute back snap. Catch the ball. I can't do it anymore. It's hopeless. Even at one and five. You can't compete in a division at 1-5. The division came back to him and he can't catch the ball. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. Trade Evan Ingram today. Trade Golden Tate today. Trade Kevin Zeitler today. Trade Marcus Golden today. And don't even let Gettleman be the one to get the assets back because you got to get fired. I slept three hours last night. I'm sick of being committed to the Giants and Eagle games. We're a joke. A damn joke. I know that you love Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones has 80 yards of open field ahead of him, and he is cruising into the end zone 
and he just fell down. He just Look, tripped over himself, splattered be, on the floor. He's going to be a meme, a gif. He's going to be all of that. I oh, understand. he's already. He is already. He's not Lamar Jackson either, folks. And guess what? He fell down, and he still put the ball in the end zone there. That's not Daniel Jones' fault. And Daniel Jones had the game in his hands and the game on the line, and he dropped one in the breadbasket of Evan Ingram, that stiff of a first-rounder, and he dropped the pass in Philadelphia. I'm not three hours sleep. I can't do it anymore with these giant eagle primetime games. I refuse. You gave me hope, and you drop a pass to seal the game. What more is Daniel Jones supposed to do to make his mark? And people want to run him out of town for Trevor Lawrence? Make a catch. Okay, so aside from Evan Ingram, who do you blame the loss on? Have a gentleman for composing a stupid roster that can't figure out how to close a game. The Bears, the Cowboys, now the Eagles. The Giants could be 6-1. and one. They're 1-6. One Every fourth quarter is the same thing. I'm slapping hands for what? <laughs> Number eight on the 12 DAs of Christmas, Merez's annual Merez Giants meltdown. In this one, his voice was cracking <laughs> as though he was on the verge of sobbing openly. <laughs> then he was like, get the stuff back. <laughs> catch the ball. He catch the ball. I refuse. Wait, did you say as if he was on the verge of sobbing? He was on the verge of sobbing. I'm a three hours sleep. Slap hands for It's like when you're 11 years old and you start ugly crying. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. It's amazing because every year we get one of these, but. Maybe not after after this year. Maybe they'll turn it around here because at that point in time, the the New, the New York Giants were one and six. They would also lose the next week to the Buccaneers again in crushing fashion, twenty five twenty three, which will put them at one and seven. They have rattled off four consecutive victories since then. They did stick the dagger in the Eagles finally, and they are the best team of the NFC East. So, Mraz, maybe that's your last on the verge of tears Giants rant for a while. I hope so. Thank goodness they didn't trade a lot of those guys I was asking to be <laughs> traded because now we're on a serious <laughs> run here. And it is amazing. That rant feels like so forever ago, and it was such a dark place and such a dark morning for me because I barely slept, maybe had a few, you know, too many pops that night. That's which, a theme. Right. Was was so annoyed. <laughs> and the Giants, think about how long ago that was. They've lost exactly one game since I ranted like that, which is just incredible. <laughs> I like when, you're, when you're a kid and you just cry over the <laughs> My avocado turned brown. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that morning where DA first sees me on Zoom and realizes I have a bag on my head. And that was it for him. He lost it. My dog ran away. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ticked. Someone stole my bike. <laughs> The same sounds I was making getting hit. Yeah, exactly. When I was getting hit with the flower socks, that was the same ugly cry. The welts on my back. No more flower socks. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's one of the all-timers. You know, we could really do a 12 Mirazes where it's just your Giants rants over yeah. the years. I mean, crushing Pat Shermer, trashing Ben McAdoo, crushing Dave Gettleman, ripping Eli, ripping Odell. In this case, ripping Evan Ingram. I mean, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> Hopefully that's over. <laughs> Steve forgot that I wanted raspberry iced tea. <laughs> Steve would never this do that. Strawberry. I never went like that. <laughs> I thought we were friends. Steve didn't tell me how cool Jay's at the Applebee's and I That's the ball. Now here we are. One and six. I refuse. <laughs> We're up to number seven. We go back to June the 22nd when Mraz unveiled one of his family's deepest, darkest secrets. The night that his mom blamed the wedding fart on him. It's number seven. Number seven. Mraz writes, back on October the 3rd, 2003, a fart lingered and cleared out the dance floor at my uncle's wedding during shout shout so many pointed the finger at me I was known for the next two hours as the farter I had family asking me do I need that at dessert it wasn't until two days later where I was still bothered that my mother called me into the living room it was at this time that she admitted it was her but she had (laughs) she had to have me take the fall because it would be expected if I did it and not expected of her. Shout! Knowing the pain my mother must have felt that she could not admit to a fart at a wedding to pin it on her own son made me realize we should not hide our farts instead wear them proudly it is a life function it's 100% a true story It literally quieted the dance floor for nearly 30 minutes that night. I'm still looked down upon when that wedding is brought up to this day. How can you be that stupid? Well, my mom looks at me in this deep stare, making sure her secret was still good. My argument that day was that I didn't have cheese at cocktail. (laughs) I didn't have cheese at cocktail hour. But nobody would accept that. The DJ thought that his set was bombing. But in fact, it was just my mom doing the bombing. <laughs> I guess the secret's out all these years later. <laughs> How devastating was this blow? Oh, the actual smell? Yeah. I mean, D.A., I, I'm not lying when I tell you this. Everybody, hey, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and you kind of just, the dance floor really cleared out, and it was almost instantaneously. I don't know if my mom, like, poked her head out of the dance floor. It was short, but but all of a sudden, it was just like, I was the last one left dancing on the dance floor, and everybody's pointing at me and doing the holding the finger thing and all that, <laughs> and 
It was everybody just retreated. They went to the bars. And I'm telling you, he must have played six songs, that poor DJ, before anybody cared to get back on there and try to do the electric slide. I was loyal, and I've kept the secret all these years. So I believe that this is why oftentimes my mom favors me over my sisters. It's that, like, at 16, I took I took one on the chin. Like, it was her in-law's family, that side. And she didn't want to be painted with that. Hot Christmas is Thanksgiving. So, oh, here's Nancy again. Oh, somebody, somebody make sure she doesn't rip it. <laughs> and now, I, you know, I took that for her, and I wore that proudly. But, yeah, I, I was stunned to a news when I when my mom admitted to it. I said, I can't believe he did that to me. But it was something that I, I just, look, you have to embrace it at that mm. point. It's electric. Well, you know, I understand where Nancy also is coming from. I think it was the right play from a PR standpoint for her. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one where I've heard in real time that my sides actually hurt. <laughs> It was one of the greatest exposés ever because it was never meant for the air. For some reason, we were on, of course, gas and blaming it on people and pitting it on people. And Mraz had made the case on the air about how everybody should just own it. And in break, he wrote this memoir in our G-chat. The way that we're all connected is that we can all see each other on Zoom but we can't hear each other during commercial breaks. We're all muted so that we have the radio feed in our ears. So we all communicate during commercial breaks via Gchat, which is like a little chat session inside Google. And Mraz, just during this commercial break, wrote this incredibly well-written memoir about a night back in 2003 that none of us had any idea ever happened. And what I read right there was word for word. It was brilliantly, in fact, poignantly written that it felt like a Lifetime movie. So I told Pete, Pete, I've got to read this on the air and we've got to play like low piano music as Mraz <laughs> exposes what happened. And he never thought I was going to read it on the air. No. And I did because it was too good. The writing was so good at it. I mean... <laughs> The DJ thought he was bombing. It turned out it was just my mom doing the bombing. <laughs> it was so good. And knowing that Nancy Mraz is so devastated by this becoming public, I mean, at the time, this was a wedding that you remembered from specifically 2003. Okay? Yep. When did she finally... She had pinned it on you for all these years, and you had never known. When did you finally find out? Uh, two days later, because I was still really, I was really down in the dumps about it. Like I was getting teased by cousins <laughs> and everything else. Oh, so it was sisters. only forty-eight hours. It was only forty-eight hours later that I got cold in the living room because she could see like my sisters were teasing me about it, and then they, she lost it laughing, going, <laughs> I, "I just couldn't. You had to own it." And yeah, and then I just dealt with it the rest of my life because she said you can never tell anybody, and it was my mother. And at that point, the damage was done. Nobody was going to believe me anyway. <laughs> so two days later, Nancy finally copped to it, but only privately yeah. to you. Yeah. Did your well, sisters... my dad was there too. Your dad was there. Did your sisters know? You know, it's funny. My sisters know to this day because, like, we talk about it internally. I don't remember them being there when, when the lid was blown off. I don't know if that like, came out because I kept telling them, stop teasing me. Mom so it's kind of like Deflategate. You guys kept it in-house. Even if yeah. within the organization you knew the truth, you would not go public with this. Nobody has ever gone public with this. Now, this is 17 years later. Finally, we have gone public with it. Yeah. And you said the other day 
that your mom had missed this day on the show back in June. She had not heard well, of the segment, so she didn't know that we'd actually talked about this publicly until you told her it was a 12DA coming up today. Yes, so I believe it was Thursday. She came by to see my daughter, and she goes, by the way, she goes, me calling, I'm a 12DA? And I said, well, Mom, I hate to break it to you, but that's, <laughs> that's one of two appearances you have on the 12DA. She goes, well, what's the other one? And I told her it was coming up, and her jaw hit the floor. And said, "What do you mean? When did you when did you talk about that?" I said, "Did you miss that on the show earlier?" She goes, "I didn't know you talked about this." I said, "Well, it's coming up. It's going to be one of the top seven moments." She goes, "No, Sean, you don't understand. I don't care about your job. You have to get rid of that on the twelve DAs. You have to." She goes, "Or Christmas will be ruined." That's what she told me. So I didn't tell her which day it was coming up. I just told her it was in the top seven. Panic mode all weekend. The text all weekend. Did you get rid of it yet? Did you get rid of it yet? Did you replace it yet? Do the art project story. Don't do that story. It's- so you're supposed to erase the tapes here. You're supposed to act as though this never happened. Buried this. Right. DA will understand. I got a lot of that. DA will understand. You got to get rid of it. Replace. It's not too late. Replace it. I said, I can't do that. So today is going to be a doozy. I'm shutting off my phone after the show. And away we go. <laughs> Folks, I don't know about you. But this is one of the great reveals in my life. It's one of the great reveals, especially how Merez wrote the memoir. Yeah, and you know, Dia, you know that Nancy and I have been at odds for a long time now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've yeah. used this, I've pointed to this episode in the past um, <laughs> as a way to you know be on Sean's side here and just wonder you know, how a mom could do this to her kid. But as I thought about it more, and I knew it was coming today, so I spent some time this weekend going over this, all of the scenarios. And we just heard from Nancy last week when she called in to defend her Jeopardy-ready knowledge up against Sean's limited intellectual capacities, using her words. And I feel like Nancy, you know, really thinking about this, I think Nancy deserved this out. Think of all of the things that she has done for Sean to drag him to this point in his life. The one thing she needed from her son in return was cover from an embarrassing moment. Could she have picked a better time? Possibly. But, I mean, she needed Sean to do her a solid for the millions of solids that she has done for him. And to his credit, for a long time, he did do that solid. He took the brunt of all of this and kept it in just between him and her and, and, and his dad. But now the truth is out. And you know what? I... I do feel bad that Nancy is getting 17-year delayed embarrassment <laughs> for ripping this fart on a dance floor. And she's real concerned before the holidays. She's real concerned about that. Yeah, that's a and fair her, consideration. Her, her other quote was, you, do, you were too young to understand there was something in the clams oregano was something she told me the other day. The clams oregano defense. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. How do you argue with that? We've all been there. Who remembers such details 17 years later when they ate at a wedding that gave them gas? That's gross. Oh, my God. How could you possibly remember what you ate at a wedding 17 years later? Well, but D.A., it's a seminal moment of her life. I guess so. I mean, this happens. I guess so. She puts it on her son. Everyone kills her son. So 40 years later, she's so guilt-ridden, she has to explain what's going on. This has burned in all of their memories. Of course she remembers what she ate. That led to this, you know, this very serious turn of events. How old were you, Merez? I was 16. Pudge Rodriguez had come around home to beat the Giants earlier that afternoon. (laughs) 
See? Details. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. I never want to say it's criminally underrated because I know that the next six are incredible. I know. But you're going to be hard-pressed to find something that makes me laugh this hard. <laughs> Nancy Mraz, bury the evidence. Take the fall. Take the fall. No, you're my son. You take the fall and bury it, and you go to your grave with this. <laughs> I mean, it might be a bigger conspiracy than the JFK assassination. <laughs> really? I mean, really? Oh, Was there a man. second passer? We don't know. And, and I could only imagine the patrons at this wedding 17 years later learning, what? I remember that night. <laughs> I remember that song. I remember that smell. I thought I it was those you. Clams. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> I wouldn't think Nancy. <laughs> Such a lady. And now it's going to ruin Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Number seven. So they've had the mashed potatoes Thanksgiving and the fart <laughs> Christmas in the Mirage <laughs> family. <laughs> all class over here, Bogus. All class. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll forever be known as the Clams Oreganata Incident. <laughs> the Clams Oreganata Incident of 2003. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> DA breaking it down on the top tens of the NFL yeah. Network. Look, I remember where I was when I learned about it. I mean, it was devastating <laughs> to all of us. I mean, who knew that the day that Pudge Rodriguez came, came around to beat the Giants would forever be known in Mraz family history? It's got to be hot. It's got to be higher on this list. <laughs> it's, a, it's a double pudge day. <laughs> Top 10 wedding tragedies. <laughs> the Clams Oreganata incident of 2003. Spiro Dinas is talking about it. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. There's Chris Russo. Throw him out of the room. You can't blame it on somebody else. <laughs> Can't blame it on the clams. <laughs> oh, no Everyone else had the clams of you, can... you can't blame it on that. <laughs> There's no way you can say oreganata correctly either, which would be a whole side joke there. Oh, man. <laughs> Oreganati. Oreganato. Clams oreganato. Little guy was there. Okay. I had the clams. <laughs> It was fine. I don't understand what happened, okay? I don't understand. I wasn't there when it happened. <laughs> I smelt it. <laughs> it is time for today's 12 DA of Christmas. We go back to April 16th. This was early on in pandemic. And the competitive eating crew from Major League Eating was putting on a food Olympics. And so we had Badlands Booker on to promote this. It was really the first sporting event of pandemic before golf, before NASCAR, before soccer returned. So we had him on to talk about this, and I asked him how he was training for the food Olympics. He slipped in there that he had just had an Admiral's Feast. That sounds like a big boy meal at Red Lobster. What it turned out to be was a family meal that feeds four to six. And he was just noshing on it. 
the aftermath of the Admiral's Feast. It's number six of the 12 DAs of Christmas. Roll tape. I feel bad for OK Hip Hop. He's going <laughs> 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 to fight Dad for toilet paper right now after a gallon and a half of beans. The beans could be a problem. You think? <laughs> Guys, I'm on the Red Lobster website right now. The uh-huh. Admiral's Family Feast includes crispy shrimp, bay scallops, clam strips, and wild-caught whitefish, all fried to a golden brown, mm. served with two family-style sides, 12 Cheddar Bay biscuits, oh and a family soup. Oh, it's served. On. It's supposed to serve four <laughs> to six people. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> oh. It's under the family style section of the, me- of the menu. Serves four to six. <laughs> I thought it was on the catering. You think OK Hip Hop's <laughs> getting a clam strip out of that? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. If, ben, if all the food comes and Badlands gives you one shrimp, one clam strip, one biscuit, and one th- You know what? You can have the salad. And he takes everything else. And let's pick up some leaves to wipe our rumps when we get home. You did a good job, OK Hip Hop. Here's your one scallop. <laughs> I'll be hungry and focused and ready for it. <laughs> oh, he's the best. Badlands is the absolute best. Oh, boy, that was so good. I actually filmed a Nomad episode with him. <laughs> I just Wait, can't did he believe say he was going to pick out a short run. <laughs> short run. <laughs> but did he say he was going to eat the two pounds in one stack? Just pick it up and just bite through it? Is that his plan? I mean, that's horrible. Oh. <laughs> Crunching and munching. <laughs> he didn't remember having an Admiral's Feast. I can't stop. I think it's been a half an hour. <laughs> he, he said I may have had it. I don't remember. It has 12 biscuits in the meal. He doesn't remember. Support the local business, it's Red Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> My stomach hurts so bad. I like bologna. Everybody likes bologna. Oh, oh, I may have had an Admiral's piece. It's got 50 pounds of clam strips in it. It's one thing to forget a bowl of cereal. The guy had 74 pieces of shrimp and doesn't remember. I, by the way, I think Red Lobster's rent's coming for a month after the band. I think we can support other businesses now. Lance is amazing. He made more headlines than Oakley did this week. Number six on the 12 DAs of Christmas was <laughs> oh, no. Ben Lance Booker slipping into our interview. I may have had an Admiral's Feast. <laughs> it beats four to six. <laughs> I may have had an Admiral's Feast and also support your local businesses. <laughs> Go to Red Lobster. <laughs> Shop small, go to Red Lobster. Oh, oh God. Badlands <laughs> is just amazing. And when I was referencing OK Hip Hop and we were all saying, does he get a clam strip? 
that's the nickname or the branding of his son. His name <laughs> is OK Hip Hop. Who had to be his cameraman in pandemic filming the virtual eating challenges. <laughs> That segment, DA, was the only time I've ever had a, gotten a call from my dad in a break saying he had to leave the store and go walk <laughs> to get fresh air to compose himself because he couldn't believe Balin's Booker forgot or may have had the Admiral's feet. <laughs> it's a family feeding of four to six. He couldn't remember if he had it earlier in the week. <laughs> and, he, and he said in the interview, you know, we go to Red Lobster. We got we to gotta support small business. It's a shame. <laughs> Support small businesses. Like he thinks it's a mom and pop shop whipping up his 17 pounds of cornbread and four pounds of shrimp. And this was in the midst of the toilet paper shortage. This is what. That was so good. Number six on the 12 DAs of Christmas, Badlands Booker forgets whether he had the Admiral's Feast <laughs> earlier in the week. How are you training for the Food Olympics? Well, I may or may not have had 17 pounds of scallops. I don't know. Maybe I did. <laughs> Andrew Bogus joins us this morning. Bogues, I remember we were all not only during the segment cracking up, but that spanned over the course of the entire show. We would just come back from break and keep laughing as you were researching and doing more and more of a dive on the Admiral's Feast. You were the one that were like, I need to Google this and see what exactly is in the Admiral's Feast. And I just assumed it was maybe something you got for two people. I couldn't find it at first. And then I found, you know, clicked on the family style uh, part of the menu. And there it was. And it's again, it serves four to six. And let alone... <laughs> Not remembering that you ate it, wouldn't you remember getting it home at least? I mean, think of all of the containers and the bags and the food. Like, that's an effort to get that back to wherever Badlands lives in Long Island. You would at least remember that, if not eating all that delicious food. How heavy do you think Badlands is, Mraz? Because for some of our listeners, they've never seen Badlands. Badlands has been a staple in the hot dog eating contest at Nathan's. For the better part of 15 years or so. Right. I mean, he is a mountain of a man. Imagine like Gilbert Brown, an old nose tackle for the Green Bay Packers, being front and center next to Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut in this hot dog eating contest. What do you think he clicks in at? Clicks in at is a heck of a way to put it. I honestly think he's probably 460. Hmm. So you think that he's hovering around five spins? Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Getting the five spins is really rough. Like that, it is like the Browns getting to eleven wins. Like somebody getting the five spins <laughs> is is tough to picture. But he's definitely within striking distance. He has to be. He has to be like that. Like we've seen him. That's n that's not somebody who plays in the threes. That's not. <laughs> no. How tall is he? Do we know that part? He's tall. He he's is tall. tall. Yeah, he's tall. If you if you check out that Nomad episode, there's I'm side by side with him, and he's definitely got me by six or seven inches so he's probably six five or so yeah and he so he's got to be over 400 then he has yeah. to be with that height and to be that big he's got to be more than 400 easily. and if that's at that size he's an engineer on the subway system in new york city too he's out there he's a subway driver yeah yeah and, and you, we've all seen them they're closets the place yeah, where exactly. those drivers go in the subway cars i don't know how he squeezes into that i mean well you that's... know the, fr the front of that train is keeping down you'll be fine on that thing that's a miracle. But also, Badlands Booker has been a guest of ours for so many years. 
He's done wienership challenges with us. He has exploded when he's actually burped up a number of, of hot dog shards all over our studio. <laughs> and not long ago, he did an interview with us, and he got off of the train that he was conducting, that he was driving, and came up the subway platform to get good service. He just stopped doing his job for 10 to 12 minutes, and people were just waiting on the subway. And note that we do this during morning drive in, in New York City. So there were people trying to get to work earlier this summer, and we just had Badlands Booker holding up the entire subway car and system for about 12 minutes to do an interview about copious was, amounts of eating. Yeah, it was last it was last month about what his Thanksgiving plans were and what he was eating. <laughs> this summer, forget that. And also on this 12DA, and it's up there on Twitch.tv now, Kaplan made this by turning Badlands Booker into an admiral's costume. And much like and much like David Robinson, we just started calling Badlands the admiral for a while. That's totally As Cap also digs up, Major League Eating's official website puts Badlands Booker at 400 pounds. But okay, I now think... factor in everybody's normal quarantine 15 and it is quarantine 60. Well, yeah, and if he's at 400 and he eats one Admiral's Feast, you're right at 420, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. That's, that feeds four to six people. Well, and I'd also, I'd think that usually in the sports world, we round up height and weight to make guys bigger and stronger. They might round down a little bit to not spook you that dudes are that <laughs> <Yeah>. big <laughs> and that unhealthy. You know, his his bio says that he is accomplished in judo, I had no idea, and that he once was in his very own episode of Wife Swap. Really? <laughs> no, I don't wow. know if that's possible, but if it is, we need the video of that. Oh, I'm sure Kaplan will have it in about 30 seconds, so we got something to watch later today. We go back two months ago to October the 21st. Mraz has always been a huge Chris Berman fan. An even bigger NFL primetime fan. And to this point in time, NFL primetime still exists, dusted off, and now on ESPN+. Plus, Which led us down the road of Chris Berman still doing it all these years later. It's number five of the 12 days of Christmas weekend at Berman's. Day Chris Berman passes away? We better weekend at Bernie's him up at Monday, uh, Monday Night Football at halftime. You better do it. Getting him up there with some string, some sunglasses. He's got to whoop his way through that. We don't care how dead he is. I'm sorry. These guys need to live. Whoop. <laughs> rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. Rumbling. The Raiders. <laughs> ah, it's so dead. <laughs> oh, right so now, dead. if you're watching it, watch DA.com. I'm basically playing a puppet and somebody's moving my mouth. <laughs> the frozen tundra. <laughs> I am so uncomfortable with what's going on right now. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, This is some day for your impersonations, DA. I mean, you've been locked in on three different people. Dead Chris Berman, Dickie V, and Morty the Lemur. Never a discouraging word. 
Frank Caliendo's toast after today's show. <laughs> Berman starts breaking out all the references from the 90s. Sorry, Barry Word's not playing in this game, Berman. <laughs> Shh, do it! <laughs> ba- Barry Bananas Foster! <laughs> that's James Conner. Boomer, that's James Conner. <laughs> so well-dressed Amani Tuma. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Darius Slayton Boomer. <laughs> Oh, what are you laughing at? The weekend at Bernie's Bird was the best and worst bit we've ever done. Ever. <laughs> like his family would crush us for this, and you're holding your mouth up your arms. <laughs> I'm gonna be picturing that the rest of the day. What weekend at? Weekend at Berman's? <laughs> We're getting Berman's propped up with the sunglasses on the set. <laughs> Past this three minutes. <laughs> Carry Chris in. Here we go. <laughs> Here goes the box at the new sombrero. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's so funny. No longer the Bay of Pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. When you see Chris Berman these days, it's not a pretty thing. A couple of weeks ago or months ago, he dyed his hair blonde. It was so awkward and weird. And you're just holding desperately onto the vestiges of the 1990s NFL prime time. Weekend at Berman's, number five of the 12 DAs of Christmas. It really hits close to home for you, Moraz, because you still watch it every I, single week. And and this bit, <laughs> this bit we did on the show, first of all, what, what playing back that audio doesn't do it justice, you moving your mouth as if he was a string doll <laughs> and Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> was so unbelievably hysterical that day. And just last week when the Giants had beaten the Seahawks and I was watching primetime and they take the 5 nothing lead, he pulled back the 90s thing where he goes, is, is Griffey Jr. in Seattle hitting a 3 one oh. over here? And the way he said it, my immediate mind pictured you moving the mouth and moving the arms like Weekend at Perfect. It's like we had propped it up and just listen to it back. It's the best. It's like he's one of these marionette figures and his arms are just hanging and suspended in air. They're moving his mouth and then they pull the ripcord. They pull the yeah. string behind oh. him and he just has 10 different 1990s references. And I'll never forget after the show walking around all day going, you're not for nothing. Chris Berman, nothing could happen to him for the rest of the year. After yeah, we, 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 so we so would have looked so bad after doing Weekend at Berman if something horrible had happened to Chris Berman. You guys did this. <laughs> you pretended like he was a dead puppet. Imagine that email. D.A. Sean Bosch award. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're all over dead spin. <laughs> Show makes fun of dead Chris Berman right before he actually croaks. <laughs> and there's video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cruel, classless sports radio show. Oh. It's funny, though, because I used to be the biggest NFL primetime fan and the biggest Chris Berman fan. In fact, there was a video game of the 90s for Sega Genesis that had Chris Berman on the front. It was like... NFL primetime football or Sunday night football or something, and I bought it. Oh, it, it had the game worst day. reviews. It has NFL the, game day. NFL game day it was. Yeah. It had Berman on the front, 
my God, it was the worst football game of all time. I could have bought Madden, of course, but I said, no, I love Berman. I love Countdown, and I love Primetime. I'm in. And it was just a disaster. So to fast forward, now that that was the early to mid-'90s. To fast forward 25 to 30 years later, and we still got Chris Berman doing the same. (laughs) And he's doing the same catchphrases. Am I right, Perez? Yes, he's just revolutionized them with new players. Adam, more than a feeling. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing that he's doing the same bit 25 years later. Look, if I still have a mothership and I'm still zapping people up 30 years from now, <laughs> God bless. But man, oh. to hold on to the same bit for 25 years, it, it really <laughs> takes something. I can't get enough of it. Every Monday, it's, it's, it's must-see for me. It's going to be the DA so show. It's Berman and... The DA show in 2050, I've got a, a terrible rug on my head. I'm still trying to beam people up. You're like, okay, DA, you know, let it go, man. Oh, well, and great. your sidekick then would be like, what, 10 years old right now? What's the difference between Jackson and Booger McFarland? Like somewhere <laughs> yeah. there's a preteen who's going to be your, your future Sean as you're holding on as 65-year-old DA. It might be right. Taylor. Oh, man. <laughs> I need to guide her to something else, to greener pastures. There needs to be something better for her in life. All right, coming up next is the Football Food of the Week with Taylor Mraz. <laughs> My dad loved dip, so in honor of him. Oh, no. I can't, I, I can't have her on Watch DA when you're 70 years old and she looks like Melissa McCarthy. I can't do that. They prop they prop me up with some type of <laughs> some type of structure behind me. Okay, DA, just say the catchphrases. Okay, that's all we need here. Just say the same. Do the zap zap, will you? Okay. Do a happy. Just record Happy Tuesday. <laughs> DA can't do it anymore. Can we move it? Move his mouth. Can Cap do a CG that makes it look like my mouth is moving? <laughs> be good and be good to one another. <laughs> <laughs> They're just playing all my clips from the two thousands. 2020s Chris Berman weekend at Berman's nothing like it (laughs) the Mariners lead the Yankees 5-0 oh no it's the Seahawks over the Jets (laughs) Henry cutting the rugs (laughs) I love it We go back one year ago. This happened in December of last year. We had already begun the 2019 12 DAs of Christmas. So this got stuffed into a box and pushed into this year's 2020 12 DAs of Christmas. On December the 12th of last year, we had come off the holiday Christmas party for CBS Sports Radio. And it was a cold and snowy night. Slippery sidewalks. Our friend Peter Schwartz, formerly the update anchor of the DA show here on CBS Sports Radio back during the overnight years, wanted to attend, made his way to Manhattan, made his way to the site of said Christmas party, but in doing so, slipped and fell and unfortunately cut his hand on a fence, on a guardrail in Manhattan leading him to try to find urgent care in the middle of the night on a snowy night in Manhattan. Well, thankfully, one of our own was there to help. Vince Quinn, who had just recently been hired 
as a weekend overnight host, was also trying to attend the same holiday party. He had stumbled upon an injured Peter Schwartz as though it was a bear rolling around in the forest with some type of thorn in his paw. So Vince Quinn was forced to go with Peter Schwartz to fix said paw. We then had Vince Quinn on the air the next day to describe what exactly transpired. It is number four on the 12 days of Christmas, and it will never, ever, ever be replicated. Here it is. Number four. And I don't know if he told you this, but I think you'll like this detail, is Peter, actually, to get this whole thing treated, he had to stop at a vet, so... (laughs) When I had seen him, he had just left the veterinarian and he was on his way to urgent care. Come on. Come on. He stopped at a vet office? Yeah, he stopped at a vet and because he was just like, because uh, the hand, the cut was so bad and his panicking brain was like, I just need to go somewhere where they do medical things. <laughs> that choice was a vet. So he walked into a vet. They didn't know what to do with him. I don't even think they could touch him legally, right? So, I don't think uh, so. Yeah, so they were just like, here's a bunch of towels, get out of here. So that's, that's when I ran into him. So from there, I have to catch him on the street, and he's trying to find an urgent care, but it's downpouring, and he can't use his hand, and trying to use a, a smartphone that's wet is a disaster. So trying to get him to an urgent care was a thing, and it was just, it was, it was a mess, man. And here's the other thing, DA, is by the time that we actually got to the urgent care, he, his hand was in such bad shape. Nurse looks at it and goes, oh, my God, I'll get the doctor right away. She goes, grabs the doctor, and the doctor says, it's such an ugly, nasty cut, they can't touch it either. So he got declined from the vet. He got declined from the urgent care, and they had to send him to the ER. It was a nasty, ugly cut, man. It was bad. Okay. I've got so many questions. Number one, <laughs> number one, when you come upon Peter Schwartz, is he sitting on the curb? Where is he? So he's like... Kind of, I don't know as fast as he can walk, but it seems like it was a, a pretty quick speed for Schwartz. He's a pretty big guy, and he's just kind of lumbering down the street in Manhattan right off the subway. Okay, okay. Number two, how close to the party were you guys? Well, we were probably like, honestly, five minutes away. It really wasn't far. So- and you know what the funny thing is? Is uh, the only reason I bumped into him is because I'm just getting familiar with New York again, right? So I was walking the wrong direction, and that's how I ran into him. I, sh- I shouldn't have even seen him in the first place. <laughs> okay. Did you go to urgent care with him? I did. Yeah, I did. Because <laughs> here's the thing, right? I know the guy. Like, he's done updates for me now. For the past, like, I've only been doing shows for, like, two months. But he's been doing half of my update. So if I see my update guy and he's bleeding on the street and I leave him behind, I mean, what kind of look is that for me? I got to look out for him. So I decided, all right, I guess I'm Florence Nightingale now, and I walked him down to urgent care. Oh, my God. So when you went to urgent care with him and they kicked him out, did you then go to the ER with him? So... Uh, I, we basically, what happened is the urgent care tells him to go to the emergency room. And at that point he called an Uber to catch a train. He went all the way up to Long Island. He didn't want to go to a hospital in Manhattan. He wanted to go home. So he decided to catch a train with his hand bleeding as bad as it was. <laughs> they wouldn't touch it at the urgent care. And he, however long it took him to go out to Long Island, he went that way. And at that point I was like, all right, uh, I guess I'm going to the holiday party now. And so uh, we split after urgent care. Ha 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 
shorts, busts his hand on the way to the Christmas party and stops at a vet and has the vet look at it. Oh, we made a mistake. This was number one. We made a mistake. (laughs) Peter Schwartz in the middle of Manhattan and went to a vet in the middle of the night. He went to a vet. He went to a vet, and they just tossed towels at him and said, get out of here. We, we can't work on you, man, because you're a human. Oh, and the best part about this, well, there's so many best parts, is I met Vince Quinn for the first time that night. I was the only one of us that went to this damn holiday party. I thought it was a good show, a good show of faith for the company. I'm like, I'm going to show up. I was the only host of CBS Sports Radio, I believe, that was there. Maybe Tiki and Tierney, maybe just BT. I don't know, but I think he was there for like five minutes. Maybe not even. And I saw Vince Quinn. And I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. Actually, he introduces himself because he was so new. And we start talking. He does not mention at that time the Peter Schwartz (laughs) story. He had just gone through all of this. And then I realized I had spoken to him after all of this. And he had such a cool, calm demeanor. I would I would have led with that. Hey, you wouldn't believe this. I just visited a vet and urgent care <laughs> with Peter Schwartz at 10 p.m. tonight. And then Schwartz gets on the Long Island Railroad to take an hour train back home oh. with a bloody sock on his hand with some type of bandages like he was in the Civil War and wounded. <laughs> I... I... I, I mean, what do we say here? A man went to the vet because he, quote, wanted to find a place that did medical things. <laughs> you know, kennel cough, any kind of, you know, shots. Schwartz walked in there and thought, this, this is the place that treats me. And he was so panicked about getting treated that he went to a vet, but not panicked enough that he would rather go to a vet than a New York City hospital. Put it that way. He took the Long Island Railroad home. How panicked could you have been? I have to say, I feel as though what Vince Quinn stumbled upon on that night is the worst case scenario in my life. If I was caught in the middle of the night in a driving rainstorm in Manhattan and stumbled upon Schwartz with a bloody hand and had to, out of some type of guilt or responsibility, go with him to the vet in urgent care... I mean, to me, that is the bottom of the barrel for any experience I think of my life. Like, I'm caught in this matrix right now. A.B., I couldn't imagine a worse night than to have to do that. I mean, the only thing worse would be to be Schwartz, would be the one that has the (laughs) the caught hand. And when you're a part-timer, and we've all been there at the beginning of your career, like, the part-timers, the holiday party is like your Super Bowl. Like, that's your chance to hobnob (laughs) You feel underappreciated, maybe <laughs> underpaid. Now, finally, there's some free pigs in a blanket, open bar. You see all the fancy full-timers, the guys that work during daylight hours. So we know how badly Schwartz wanted to be there. Yeah. And then this tragedy befalls him. So, yeah, <laughs> he had the worst <laughs> night. But Vince Quinn it was a very, very close second. Also, the way that Vince tells the story, we could not have had a better person stumble on an injured Schwartz. I mean, Vince Quinn said I had to do my Florence Nightingale. <laughs> I mean, he was brilliant at telling this story, retelling this story. 
It's one of the 12 DAs that will forever make me shake my head. Like, did that actually really happen? On the way to the holiday party, Schwartz went to the vet. I just try to picture being somebody that works at the vet when he walks in. <laughs> right? Like, in the moment he leaves and you throw towels at him, what is that conversation like? <laughs> like, could you believe a man just came here to get treated? <laughs> also... You're probably about to close, right? I mean, it's probably like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night in Manhattan. My guess is you're not open much later than that. And at the end of a long, grueling day of giving dogs rabies shots or tick collars or whatever, or as you said, kennel cough or putting that big dome around dogs' heads so they don't eat and scratch themselves, a 400-pound man comes in with a bloody hand and says, can you fix me? Oh, and you're soaking like, wet. Soaking wet. And you're like, this has been the longest day we're about to close, and you want us to stitch you up? <laughs> I mean, we work on dogs and parrots all day. <laughs> yeah, you're not officially a bear, so we can't help you. And imagine after whatever you've done in the city, maybe it's a big family day, maybe you come home from work, you get on the Long Island Railroad car with a big man <laughs> bleeding out, going, get away from me. <laughs> Do we think he got a black and white cookie before blowing, boarding the Long Island Railroad with a bloody hand? Because remember, he didn't eat. He didn't eat. Right. Yeah, he's housing something while waiting at Penn Station for that train. There's no doubt oh. in my mind. Oh, is he just handing over a... bloody money? Is he dropping his wallet on the counter and going, just take take whatever you need out of there? I only have one hand. How does he? How is he paying for his food? And I can't reiterate this enough. A man we know and make fun of that used to work on this show went to a vet to get stitches on a hand, and we had the story broken to us, mm-hmm. and it's number four on the 12 <laughs> DAs list. How could it happen? How could it happen? We go back to October. This was one of the most bizarre storylines in Mothership history. Mraz's trash on a Trash Tuesday was somebody in his town that he believed was pretending to be him. It was somebody by the name of Sean Forash who had posted on sports radio message boards in the past and now had been leading some diabolical political rallies. People around town had been coming up to Mraz saying, you know, you really shouldn't be so divisive. Mraz didn't know what they meant. He had realized they thought that this guy, Sean Forash, was Mraz. So Mraz's trash was this imposter. We tried to impress upon Mraz. He's not trying to be you. He likely just has a similar name. Mraz wasn't having it. So we then had to go inside the mystery of Mraz's evil twin. It is number three on the 12 DAs of Christmas from October the 6th. Number three. Yesterday, DA, I got a text from not one, not two, not three, not four, but six people, including multiple co-workers. I really thought better of you because Sean Forash of West Babylon, New York, was leading a major Trump rally on Long Island on Sunday. 
in which I had very, obviously, Democratic friends texting me, having a real issue and saying, like, at least be more witty when it comes to doing this. And again, it was quoted that he's from the same town as me. DA, somebody is trolling me out there. This is an eight-year con job. They keep popping up, and they are using Come a on. spin-off of Come my name. On. I have a p- piece of the article I can send you. You can tweet out, Sean Forash instead of Sean Morash from the same town. What are the odds of that? Trash this guy. <laughs> Moraz has a version of evil Dr. Wario, <laughs> like the Mario <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> The video game programmers in West Babylon <laughs> created a Wario character for Moraz. This is the funny. most. There's an evil version of Moraz. <laughs> it's a sinister version of Moraz out there. Sean's not like doing a... enough damage to his own <laughs> name. Let's bring in somebody else. He's got a long, evil mustache and a sinister haircut, and he sits in a lab looking for ways to ruin Moraz's life. <laughs> he's got a cat on the arm of his chair that he just so slowly good. pets the whole time. You guys are laughing. I can't even walk to my own hometown so anymore. Good. It's so good. Moraz insists there is a <laughs> random person who's out to try. Who stole his identity. When he was in a, a half a board op at WFAN a decade ago. <laughs> this is the guy I need to steal and ruin. <laughs> slandering his name and reputation. And as Moraz describes it, it's, quote, ripping apart my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most contested presidential election in centuries we have a coronavirus that shut down everything we have a bazillion <laughs> national problems and protests and resistance a guy that's stealing his identity is tearing apart his own town hey is that bob's son <laughs> <laughs> i, I won't eat big. your cold cuts i know who your kid is <laughs> keep your roast beef that happened? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sandwich artist at, at Jimmy John's that right now is insisting <laughs> that he actually created the chicken teriyaki. <laughs> My sides hurt. This is so good. I just don't have to live with what I'm living with right now. It's, it's not oh funny God. if it's me. <laughs> okay, so there's this guy that is from Moraz's hometown. <laughs> That is claiming his name is Sean Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Wario. It is one of the great subplots in DA show history. Moraz's insistence that this guy was trying to piggyback off of Moraz's celebrity <laughs> when Moraz was a part-time board op eight years ago, which is when this guy first popped up. Moraz was absolutely insistent that eight years ago when he was nothing, not on the air, had no on-air presence, right before the CBS Sports Radio Network even existed, that somehow this guy was trying to latch on to Moraz's celebrity. <laughs> Moraz's notoriety as a board op that made nine bucks an hour. Somehow he was just absolutely convinced. And so fast forward 
This guy ends up leading political rallies on Long Island. <laughs> and Perez is absolutely convinced, even more so eight years later, he's coming to take down Perez's notoriety and reputation. So what ends up happening is a certain sports talk host here on CBS Sports Radio says, no, I actually did broadcasting camp with Sean Forash. <laughs> broadcasting camp in eighth grade. So <laughs> Morris is still not convinced. But finally, we unpacked the mystery. And I think Morris is all the way back now because he and Sean Forash have, ex- have exchanged tweets I think we now have you at a certain level of sanity to where you believe that this was not an eight-year-long con trying to ruin your rep. I will, although I will tell you, since the day of this 12DA on October 6th, and since the election has ended and since there's been other rallies, I am still fielding texts from new people asking if this is me. So (laughs) whether it's a long con or not, You have new people every day that I may have went to school with going, dude, is this you? You're switching your name? Like, people are still doing this to me. So that's what's driving me insane. Yes, I now believe that this is this guy's real name. I believe that this is the ultimate ultimate coincidence. I I refresh all that. But it doesn't mean I'm still not fighting off people texting me convinced that this is me. (laughs) They need convincing, not me. Bogus just put his his, his hands in his head and just shook his head once again. Who are these people that you know that keep thinking that this is you? What is wrong with them? I understand the coincidence that M-O-R-A-S-H is very close to F-A-R-A-S-H. But if anyone knows you, they should know that this is not you. And again, not included in any of those clips that we just played is the fact that we disproved your, like, four main points about him within that show that you let live for eight-plus years. You said there's no pictures of him. We found pictures of him in the back of a pickup truck leading one of these Trump rallies. You said, I went to the county clerk. There's no record of him. Then we found his home address and his phone number (laughs) and his mom's phone number and his dad's phone number. You said his name was Forash. It's Farash. We he, he doesn't exist. Zach Gelb knew who he was. We, oh. In four minutes, we tore this apart. If you had lived for a decade thinking that this guy was having the worst identity theft plan in the history of identity theft. All right. Relax, Bogus. I sense some anger there. The point is, when people see his name in print written about, they assume now an editor maybe made a mistake and it's supposed to be me or... Which is a ridiculous assumption. This is okay. And this is why, by the way, this was my number one... 12DA, because this encompasses almost everything about this show, from your insanity to the insanity of the people around you to our ability to prove your insanity is actually insanity. I don't want to argue about this because we argued about this in October. I'm just going to tell you this. You people around me, like, Bogus, what is my inner circle really? 20 people? Like, I am probably at the stage now over six years where it's got to be 100 to 150 people that have texted me thinking that this is me. So it's not even people around me. It's people I may have met once that think this is me. So it's so not... we, we are we are proving out that the people around you and the people in your town are it's just a population of dunces that all of these people are just complete well, dunces. It's not and... even a town. It's people I work with that live in New Jersey. I mean, come on. 
I find it very hard to believe the bulk of your texts are coming from random people in New no. Jersey. These are no. all the, this town of Dolce. Mike Samter, Mike Biseglia, these all these guys that were Stu Kovacs, all these guys that work here have all made the same jump to think it was me. So Dunce is it's the entire out? CBS Sports Radio staff. How how did this Ryan guy's Hickey name get in front one. of how did this guy's name get in front of them, though? That's what it's I'm, been, where it's that been in, like, newspapers that they're reading through articles. What? So they're you not think that Mike Visegli and New Jersey's reading the Long Island Herald no. or Patch.com about he the would... Sean Farage Trump rallies? No, if it gets shared on their Facebooks through New or New York Post, I think, had a piece on him at one point. Dude, I, I you're asking me an excuse. I'm telling you, it's not just the dunces right, well, from West Babylon. Shit. Shame on all of them, then. It's mostly the dunces from West Babylon. Number two, you also <laughs> allowed this to fester in your head as this great conspiracy theory that it you would were somehow... It would fester all of your heads, too. You told us that people enough. looked at you strangely in, the, in King Cullen, and you're getting dirty looks. They did, yeah. because people know who I am around town, and now they're reading these articles oh, about what God. they think is me. Guys, look, I'm telling you now, yes, in hindsight, everything was crazy, but the world was whacked at this time with this guy, and... Rocked. It blew up. The world was rocked. Yes. Was the crazy. world was rocked. The world. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> the world. Me, Bogish, Bilotti, and Cap were like, nope, 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 nope. None of this makes sense. Nope, he's not doing this. Nope, you can find him online. Nope, here's his identity. Nope, here's a video of him. And you would let eight years of conspiracy theories wrap around your brain. He's out to get me. He wants to take down my celebrity. He's piggybacking off of my name. And within 30 seconds, we were like, nope, nope, nope. You're, you're crazy. Nope, nope, nope. I hope you guys never have to deal with a coincidence like this in your life because it would creep in your brain despite being disproved. And, and, D.A., how about the fact that how many shows have you guys done together? How many times have you hung out, been on trips, you stayed in Airbnbs? This this guy didn't tell you this story, which is insanity for eight years. This never yeah. came up. This would be your icebreaker. Hi, I'm Sean. Guess what? I'm not Sean Farash. If you're just <laughs> if you're just wondering, like, how, how did we go eight years by accident before this just popped up? Hi, I'm Sean. By the way, there's an evil twin that's trying to ruin my reputation. He's been doing so for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> it's ripping apart my hometown. There was a guy who used to work at WFA, Russell Mathis. He was the first one to tip me off to this years ago. It's, it's been ripping going on apart my hometown. <laughs> It's ripping apart. Yeah, you, you guys should see it. When I go to the shop right here in my hometown, there's a David Dolara that is just trying to ruin my rap. I get all these bad looks. It's a tough life, guys. He doesn't I, I return his nobody. grocery cart to the rack, and so I'm always the one blamed. Well, neither does Sean. <laughs> Sean Foresh does. Yeah. Number three on the 12 DAs of Christmas. We're already at number two on the 12 DAs of Christmas. Last year, we had Mraz taking on Super Dave, Dave Friedman, with NFL versus college football picks. A roaring finish to the college football season meant that Super Dave overtook Mraz and defeated him. Meaning, the punishment for Mraz was to take the SAT because Mraz had ducked taking the SAT his entire life. He had found a loophole to not have to do what we've all had to do, take a standardized test. And so the punishment was to sit down, take the test. You will get a personal proctor, but you have to take it during the show. The personal proctor was Chicken Pesto Lady. He took it in studio as we hosted a show around him. I then scored it. 
I have never heard Andrew Bogus not only mad at me to this degree, but also mad in general. He's not a guy that gets that upset. But when I had misgraded it, Bogish absolutely unloaded on me, which forced a recalibration, recalculation of what the number actually was. The SAT controversy of 2020 is number two, the 12 days of Christmas. Number two. Let's just say right here and now, for 15 years when people have approached me about what did you get on your SAT, my answer was always, I never took the SAT, haha. Now I forever tell people, I got an 1110. So here's, here's the one caveat, guys. Number one, when you take the SAT, you don't get a one-on-one proctor. <laughs> That's not how this usually works. Right, but the balance is you're also not listening to an Oliver Luck interview with a box of chocolates in front of you at the same time. Fair. I also think how condensed this test was really helped you. The situation yesterday definitely assisted him. Of course it did. Okay. so More so than it hurt him. Correct. So both you and I are saying, had he taken a real test without a hand-to-hand proctor right. and done a full test, yeah. that the score would have been lower. Yeah, I, that significantly would be lower. I don't know about, but I don't know about significantly lower. Okay. But it would be lower. And there, was, and there was way too much talking from him. Way too much talking. He would have been thrown out of a test. Thrown out of a test? I'm doing it as everybody's yapping around. She was the one telling me, block out the noise. Yeah, but you Nobody kept, takes a test with that much talking going on around You them. kept talking to yourself, too. Oh, you shut kept, up, Pete. You, kept, you know what? Take a lap. Shut up. Yeah, all right. No. Shut up. Everybody was talking. I got interviews. I got boxes of chocolates. I got teddy bears. I got everything going on there. Uh, so what if she calmed me down a little bit? Point is this. na 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 11-10. There it is. Mm. Seafood towers for all tonight. That took... Cha-ching. That took a bad turn. I'm not going. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to blame you for this. It just so happened, you know... On this day, the 07 Giants beat the 07 Patriots, and we don't take away that title. Yes, no, no, thank how, you, you don't. How are you doing this right now? No, he's, because he's how, right. How are you missing he's a the nine, point? He's a 9-7 and seven he team. He just happened to win the I championship. Got hot at the right but time. But guess what? He's, he's David Tyree that didn't make the catch. Go get him, Bogus. He's somebody covering Plaxico Burris. You're talking about you're arguing hypotheticals here when they're not hypotheticals. The fact is, you added his score correctly. You failed your math portion of yesterday's SAT. However, whatever number you gave him for that writing part does not get put on top of the math and the reading score to give you one score. That's whether right. whether the, whether Sean's argument about whether it's valid or not for the college admissions process, that's a whole separate thing. It's plain and simple. And everyone's yelling at me for being frustrated because the two of you are just ignoring something that can't be ignored. You added incorrectly. You just did. I didn't add incorrectly. I might have added essay Stop points. Stop talking about might. You the math did wasn't it. incorrect. You did I, it wrong. No, I added correctly. I want my, my work is shown here. It is correct. What I might have done is added more points than he deserved. Stop saying might. <laughs> you had three numbers that you put together to get one score, yes. and that's not how you do it. I that's thought correct. I thought I read that's how you do it. But it's not. I thought I read that's it. That's not scholar. how you do it. <laughs> this had so many layers, okay? I was actually really excited to grade this test. I was excited to watch Merez go down in flames and to give him a 500, a 610, something totally humiliating. And 
in the Q&A portion or the multiple choice portion, he was fine, but it got pretty brutal towards the end. You could tell he was guessing on a number of things, and it was going the way that you would think. But he got a few of them right, and having Chicken Pesto Lady hold his hand through the whole thing, he had worked through some math that he should have never been able to work through that math component on because she was helping him. So it was going to be kind of a fun story, a nice story, but ultimately he was going to crash and burn. And then he had an essay. And the essay just happened to be on a subject that Mraz actually had paid attention to or cared about, which was darkness. Somehow, <laughs> some way, Mraz, the one thing he had thought about over the course of his life aside from how much bacon to put in the dip and what the Giants' third-string quarterback situation is, is how darkness envelops nighttime <laughs> and the effects of pure darkness. It was bizarre that this was the one thing that he had talked about. This was happened to be the, the essay that he got, and I graded it out, and I tried to be as honest and as reasonable as possible, and he did a pretty good job of the essay, so I graded him pretty well on the essay. Well, I combined the two scores, and it got to 11-10. And what we recognize is that today's SAT, he also did not take a full SAT. He took about a third of the questions. But I extrapolated out what the score would have been. That today the SAT is two different scores. You have the multiple choice part with the math and the, the reading comprehension, and then you have the essay part. And if you did it that way... You would not add Merez's essay in. If you did, it's an 11-10, which is a very reasonable and, and solid score. But if you did not, then he got something like a 790, which sounds a lot more accurate for Merez. And so when I had said, wow, he got an 11-10, Bogish was not going to accept that. There's no way, DA, you did this wrong. There's no way he got an 11-10. Bilotti couldn't laugh at Mraz and poke fun at him. Everybody was kind of like crestfallen. How could he have gotten an 11-10? But then when we realized the modern-day version of the SAT, which he took, does not include the writing portion, and he got a 790, Mraz refused to accept the 790 and said, I'm Mr. 1110. I'll always be Mr. 1110. I got 1110 on my SAT. And so the controversy just raged, and it still has never been solidified. Mraz insists he's Mr. 1110. We all know he got more like a 790 and never the twain shall meet. Yeah, and let's also not forget that you graded it properly for the year I graduated high school, which means, again, I got an 1110. And I have inevitably been asked this question at least five times since. Hey, would you ever get in your SATs? The answer is always 1110 because that's what I got. Bogus was wrong. Pete was wrong. We could argue about it till the cows come home. It doesn't matter. And Bogus's anger there really just... I mean, take a step back and you realize there's some deeper inner issues there with Bogus that he would get that angry over somebody else doing well on a test. So, 11-10, na-na-na-na-na. We never did get the Seafood Towers pandemic hit. Doesn't matter. I am the king of the SAT. What is the response? What's the reaction that you get when now you tell people you got an 11-10? Oh, good job. It was a good score. People have faith in me. People are not shocked? People don't claim that you're lying? No, no, no. I think a lot of people just assume... Like like you would assume, I had a good day on the SAT, which can happen, can absolutely happen. And I was under dire circumstances with a lot of chatter going on. That's a solid job I did. I, I have not once looked back and thought, man, I could have done better on the SAT. I understand that 1110 is a good grade, and I'm happy that I got it. Do you realize, though, that by today's standards, that's an inaccurate score? That's fine. 
we're not going by today's standards because that's not when I would have taken the SAT. The point was I never took the SAT coming out of high school, so this was me going back to high school. And in my time of going back to high school, that is how it was graded. That's it. When did we step into a time warp on that morning and all of a sudden it became whatever your senior premise. year of high school would have been? That was no, the, premise the premise was for you to take the SAT, not to take the, the SAT from circa why, 2007. Shh, shh, why was I taking the SAT? Why was that such a big deal? Because I never took it in high school. So the premise was to put Mraz back in high school to do it. I went back to 2005, I took the SAT, and I got an 1110 bogus. That was the agreed-upon premise that you missed and went over your head, you, and you couldn't take you it and you stopped your feet like a baby. No, that's how you are, are trying to rationalize no. and keep hold no. on your score. Sean. You're trying to rationalize not the gonna, other way. No, no, no. You're the one saying nanny, nanny, poo-poo here. So let's, again, not oh, throw elbows and point fingers. Mm-hmm. I'm a mature 1110 guy. Na 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 1110. Very There's mature. that maturity again. So here's the issue, that Mraz wants to go by 2007 standards, but the test that he took was a 2020 test. And so who knows how different a test would be in 2007. It would probably score differently. Also, you might just be thinking, well, DA, how could you have screwed this up so badly? I have to tell you, Mm. I read so many pamphlets on how to score an SAT (laughs) and online (laughs) courses. It was staggering. And I did pretty good on the SAT, and I could not figure out properly how to score this thing it is so freaking confusing so if you're asking for my professional opinion do i believe that Mraz, even in 2007 would have scored an 11 10 absolutely not there's no question that the way that i scored it if somebody had scored this for years they would have taken these two things and i think it's closer to an 800 and something i think he's probably more like an 850 but i just simply couldn't figure out because I don't think he's probably, I don't, I don't know if it's fair also to just be like, well, your, your writing score is an 1110, which is a reasonable score, and you take right. it away and it's a 790, that's how stupid you are. I mean, that's, that's an enormous drop-off. But the fact is, this will forever live as like, I don't know what yeah. rule to go by, but I know you didn't get an 1110. I know well, that. Well, well and, and I guess my counter-argument to that would be, I cannot believe here it is almost a year later and we're hammering this out. When you guys tell me I shouldn't go back to my high school time to do this, well, then what's the curve there that everybody takes the SAT fresh off, you know, education and math classes and everything else, and here I am basically not have learned anything in the last 15 years flying in blind on the test. So, you know, you can give me that 800 or whatever you want. Well, then add 200 points for the fact that I haven't been in a classroom in 15 years when you're normally taking the SAT off SAT preps and all the other classes that go with it because you're in school. So regardless, it still comes back to an 1110. Right, and here's the kicker that I just remembered. The problem with your time warp back to 2005, whatever it was, is that then when they graded it as the essay is a thir- as a third you know, um, complete part with math and verbal, your total score was 2,400. So if you want your 1110, you got an 1110 out of 2,400. So if it's not 1110 out of 1,600. So if that's the time warp you want to live in, then that's fine. But then so when somebody asks you, you should go, I got an 1110 out of 2,400, not out of 1,600, which is the current way to do it. So at push comes to shove, like the percentage is still basically the same. Right. You were, and that's a you good were way to put just it. less than halfway to uh, a perfect I, score. Exactly I had a teacher right. from West Pamela confirm that you were wrong, Bogus, and it was not out of 2,400. So 
I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm reading it right okay. now. And again, we're talking to you, so go, Westbound I'm, I'm, teachers are not necessarily the best example of how to go by things. I'm going to go with the people that grade the SATs and hand out the SATs and not you on Wikipedia. Sorry. I'm not on Wikipedia. I'm on the SAT website. Which DAs admitted is all over the place, too. So, again, no, we're still because I found this? out the right way to grade the test Why that same so way, angry? too. Why don't you just be calm? Be happy for me. I don't know why you're so angry about it. That's it. I I'm did not well. anything for you. I did well, and look, you got to the number 212 DA, so it obviously made for good content. Guys, I did well on something for well, once, all right? I failed the, so much. I did well <laughs> on something for once. The <laughs> issue is, is that you have skated through life by finding loopholes continuously and have been surrounded by bad math. And been surrounded by enablers. I mean, As your family's should. been enablers. Your neighbors have been enablers. Your teachers were enablers. <laughs> I mean, your last college asked you to please cheat just so you could graduate. So when you then take what is supposed to be an even-handed, non-competitive advantage test that is supposed to really tell us exactly how you did and you manipulate it for your own favor and then you taunt us by saying, ha, 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 I was right, it leaves nobody wanting to root for you. Well, it leaves nobody ridiculous. wanting to say, good job, Mraz. You really worked your ass off for that. It is yet another loophole with an enabling situation where you found the one teacher that probably applauded you for taking three lunch classes and said, yeah, you know what, Sean? You're yeah. a really smart kid. Don't let anybody tell you differently. This is where you guys become the boy who cried wolf. So now the na 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 and taunt thing is where people don't root for me. When you guys forget, the taunting was a result of you guys not rooting for me. You you admitted you graded this hoping I was going to blow up in flames. So when you guys don't get your wish and I taunt you back, suddenly I'm the instigator. I'm the bad guy nobody wants no. to root for. It wasn't like you guys were all man go, go, Sean, go, Sean, go, Sean. And then I got it and I spiked the ball in your face. You all rooted against me and I taunted you when I proved you wrong. I, I can't What's take not... that narrative. I can't take it. I won't stand for it. But what's not in that clip is that there was time between the result and me and Pete's anger where we were proud of you. And then we realized the issues that DA oh, stumbled into with the grading. You, and here's You were proud of me for a second. You weren't rooting for me on that day. You guys were Juju dancing on the Bengals logo last night. And I was Von Bell coming through and punching you in the mouth. And now Von Bell's the bad guy or is Juju the bad guy for dancing on the logo? Come on. Be fair. You guys rooted against me. I proved you wrong. I then danced you on didn't. you, and then you told me I'm wrong. I did. What was the score? You the score was an eleven ten. Goodbye. What year did you take the What year did you take the SAT? Stop. I, what well, year you guys take it? It's, no. What, what, you, what year should you have taken it? When you were a senior in high school, was that two thousand five? I guess or four. When do you take it? Eleventh grade or twelfth grade? I think you take it early in. Oh, you know that's a good question. I don't remember now. You take it the spring of your Look, junior year. We're splitting hairs here. Bottom line is this. I got eleven ten, and that's how it forever gets remembered. Of, but if you say eleven ten out of twenty four hundred, that is slightly less than half, when? which out of sixteen hundred is about a seven ninety, which is exactly what I said was when? probably what your score was. Who have you ever asked what you get on the SAT, and they tell you I got this out of this? They just tell you the score. That's stupid. You've so never again, once but had as again, go, you skating uh, around no, reality. That, 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 that's not true either, because if you can score it out of 2,400 and somebody told me I got a 2,000, I'd be like, a 2,000? How did you get a 2,000? Yeah, okay. So you'd have a follow-up. There's no follow-up <laughs> when I tell people I had Right, like, so you benefit from that, from that non-follow-up. <laughs> All right, 
great. I don't care what I benefit from. The bottom line is this. I wasn't as dumb as rocks as you guys thought I was. And I won. And that's it. That's the end of See, it. See, I won. Would you win? DA, let's... DA, you can't I, skate on I, this. One... This remains a good chunk of your fault, too, because you refuse to put your foot down here as the, as the name on the show and make a declaration on this. You keep letting us live in this back and forth, and you know what the right answer is, but well, you won't look, say it. I, I, I've said this in the past. Do I believe Mraz is, is an 11-10 intellect? I do not. There's no way. I can tell you I'm still blurry on how to score this thing. I, I've tried <laughs> to figure this out a million times, and I do find it weird to say that in, like when me and you took it, Bogues, that all it is is the score and your essays included, and then it became two different scores. I'm not explaining this correctly. I, I'm very murky yeah. on how the split happens right. with how right. you score everything, and then but, used to combine it. Which is but also the in this moment, when you graded it, you graded him on three sections, all worth 800 points, right? Yes. That's right. So he got an 1110 out of 2400 the way you did it. And that's the way it used from 2000. I'm reading it right now. From 2005 through 16, there were three separate parts math, verbal, and the essay, all equal to 800 points. So put it together, you got your score of 2400. Since 2016, it's gone back to 800, 800. And then you got a separate, like, one through five grade for your essay because the essay is now optional. Right. That's it's not the required difference. anymore. You're right. And I, I forgot so about that. So you graded point. him out of 2,400. Well, this is the point. I graded, yes, well, kind of. I graded his, his essay, I forget how many hundreds of points I gave him. And I don't know if it was a full 2,400, but I gave him hundreds of points for the essay to fold into a 1,600. I did not give him a three. Had I given him a three, then the score would have made no sense. Eleven ten would make absolutely no sense. Let's just hypothetically say that I gave him, I don't know, 350 points for his, his essay. It should have been the math and verbal and then a three with an essay. But instead, I gave him the equivalent of whatever the hundreds of points that would have been. And that's why it got all askew. Well, regardless, my head hurts. The listener's head hurts. All we know is this. In the end, you can't go back on your word, and your word was 11-10. <laughs> Happy 12 DAs to all. Back in January, the New England Patriots had been handed the wild card loss by the Tennessee Titans, eliminating them from the postseason. A few months later, Tom Brady would be on his way to Tampa Bay. We knew something was up at the end of last season, it's up, and thus... We here on the DA Show held a funeral. It was the death of a dynasty. We even employed an actual minister. Yes, this was a real minister who joined us in studio that day. We had candlelight vigil, and we said our last rites and regards, sending the Patriots dynasty into the ether. Number one on the 12 DAs of Christmas, the Patriots funeral. Number one. Don't have Darth Vader, and we have to wing this. I think the best we can do is each one of you give your own eulogy. Starting off with the man from Fordham who is fantastic doing play-by-play on the internet, Andrew Bogish. Father, thank you so much. I try not to cry here. Well, peace be with you. As the poet William Martin Joel once wrote, only the good die young. 
And the Patriots, you certainly were good and young. You've left us far too soon, long before you could legally buy yourself some champagne to toast your unprecedented success. You saved us from the greatest threat on turf. We'd all be wearing Jake DeLome jerseys right now if it wasn't for you. You made Donovan McNabb puke. You made oh. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson choke. And you did it all the right way. Your winning was pure, not even a hint of impropriety. Your cameras were always pointed in the right direction. Your balls always had the right PSI. You answered any and all questions from the media with elaborate thoughts and the utmost respect. So rest easy, sweet princes. We'll never see your likeness again. And thank God for that. You should be a priest. That was seminary material. Thank you. And now we go to Pete the Body Bilotti. Sorry. Uh, the thought of Tom Brady not leading the charge in a 40-point blowout of my New York Jets brings a tear to my eye. Mm. As the great comedian Andy Coffin once bellowed, a smile means friendship to everyone. The mountains are wide and the ocean divide. It's a small world after all. Tom, you are that smile to all of us. Mm. We were stunned to a news when your mere aura caused the quarterback to run into the fat ass of his guard on of all holidays, Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. I am thankful to have witnessed that with my own eyes. Before the Jacksons settled into a small city in Florida <laughs> and renamed it Jacksonville, they sang, give me one more chance. Give us one more chance to be in your presence, Tom. I'm a better man because I've known you. Normally, Amen. our church doesn't have a very high bar of who we allow in, but Pete Bellotti just set the bar real yes, high. He does. Theologically, yes, he did. very well done. Amen. Now let's go to Sean Marash, who I'm sure will be very interesting when he speaks. 19 years is really not a long time, especially considering that Charlie Weiss eating white bread soaked in <laughs> bacon grease has outlived this Patriot dynasty. <laughs> From the tuck rule to deflating footballs, to winning coin tosses in playoff overtime games. We remember the good times, the times that led to Bon Jovi being a fraud from New Jersey and now living in Robert Kraft's box. Sure, there were some bumps in the road. David Tyree, Mario Manningham, Chandler Jones running butt naked up the Massachusetts Turnpike. <laughs> no life is perfect, not even Pat the Patriots. And one more thing, after the funeral... Refreshments will be served at Orchids of Asia, Jupiter, Florida. <laughs> All are welcome. Sean, very well done. Grammar is very well. Well Good. Done. done. All right. And now, DA, well, you have the final say. Thank you so much, Minister. We are gathered here today to say goodbye to the most mediocre dynasty in NFL history. <laughs> it was a long, consistent run of AFC East titles, the most underwhelming division in football. Beating out quarterbacks Cleo Lemon, J.P. Lawson, Matt Sims... <laughs> 20 years with no next-level historic Super Bowl championship, just a lot of anonymous who's-that-guy type of teams, and for that, they should be applauded. No one has ever been more underwhelming, uninspiring with a run of winning, like that epic Super Bowl against Jake DeLome, that awesome 13-3 masterpiece over Jared Goff. Today, we should salute the Patriots for the good fortune of having Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel decided to throw at the one-yard line when they had Marshawn Lynch and Dan Quinn and the Falcons for forgetting they had a 25-point lead in the second half of a Super Bowl and trying to go hurry up. We should honor the Patriots for finding ways to win. Truly, 
illegal, awful ways. They're the only dynasty with a massive cheating scandal on their hands, and they've had two of them. They're the only dynasty with a first-round pick taken away, and they've had that done twice. The only dynasty whose quarterback was suspended for a month by the league. These are all very honorable accomplishments. We should thank Bill Belichick for stonewalling the media at every turn without a hint of humanity or decency. Until, of course, he's asked by the NFL Network to talk about Russ Grimm and Crazy Legs Hirsch. We should thank the hoodie for his slovenly attire, taking the once proud tradition of Lombardi's camel hair overcoats and Landry's fedora and giving us men's casual on the sidelines. Or what slobs wear on the couch every week with Tostitos spicy queso dripping all over it. We should honor the owner, Robert Kraft, mandating every TV broadcast mention his career record while putting him on camera from the suite level. We shall salute him for his patronage at strip malls in West Palm on Small Business Week. Remember to shop local. And while we're speaking of death and heaven, let's not forget the Patriots organization also drafted, applauded, and awarded an extension to the only double homicide murderer in NFL history. That should count for something. For 19 years, we have been in the presence of true evil, and that should be applauded. Amen. And the congregation Amen. said, Amen. Amen. Rest in peace. <laughs> and the best part about this, guys, was the hate that we got for Boston. Oh, man, on Twitter that week, just absolutely slaughtered by everybody up in Boston and Pats fans. And look at us now. Look at us now. The Patriots have been eliminated. They've got no quarterback. And now there's two teams of the division better than them. We were right, Mraz. That was the funeral. That was the end of the dynasty. And we had to send it off in style. How sweet it is. And I distinctly remember this line from Patriot fans after that video went semi-viral of the dynasty. You care more about the Patriots losing than you do the Giants winning, which offered the perfect retort. Well, they both happened at the same time. So, <laughs> not a problem on my end. <laughs> Wasn't that fun, Bogues, holding that funeral? Boy, that was good. I mean, you don't like when people pass away, but if anyone was going to pass away and be celebrated for it, it had to be them. I mean, that was the only way for them to go out, to pass the torch to the Dolphins, to the Bills, to whomever. Um, They they deserve that kind of sending off, and I'm glad that we gave it to them. (laughs) Mraz, do you remember saying that we should probably not joke about Aaron Hernandez? Yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't to you as I wrote my eulogy the night before. I had maybe an Aaron Hernandez line in there, and I remember saying, you know what, it is a funeral. It's weird with the murder stuff. I'm going to avoid everything Aaron Hernandez. enough to joke around about. And we had gone through no Aaron Hernandez joke bogish, no Aaron Hernandez joke Pete, no Aaron Hernandez joke me, and you just couldn't hold back. You had to make the double homicide signing Aaron Hernandez joke. But also, as a PS, you were basically done. You're like, oh, by the way, let me <laughs> yeah. just get this in real oh, quick. Yeah, we're Had not going to do. That. Yeah, we're not going to do a dynasty funeral without remembering that you signed Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> I got to tell you, I need Pete speaking at my funeral one day. He was great. I think we've actually found this is his niche: speaking well, at funerals. He was phenomenal. Does, does that shock anybody that Pete sucks at speaking unless it's at a funeral? I mean, basically. <laughs> Is that a thing, though? Can you hire people to speak at funerals? Is there an industry there for Pete? <laughs> Once bellowed. Just a professional eulogist. We just would... wheel him in. Okay, this is uh, this is Mikey. Uh, he passed away. Uh, you know, here's a couple of bio notes on him. And right. uh, if you could just, we don't, 
We don't know you. You don't know us. That, but we just like you to speak here. That's it. Pete wants to make a little extra money. Now that he's got to pay the taxes on the house, he should go to Cameo and charge for video eulogies. <laughs> you can give him all the notes on how to read them. And perfect. Pete can cash in on Cameo. Oh, wait Although a second. I was stuck behind this guy at the bagel place. Oh, no way. I'm not doing this. <laughs> He Although was friends with the realtor piece. that was out to get me. <laughs> Screw him. It would be perfect if he was skilled in something that he could not actually monetize. <laughs> <laughs> we found the one thing he's good at, and there's no way for him to actually make money off of it. Your mere aura caused a quarterback to run into the fat ass of his guard on whole holidays Thanksgiving. That, that defines Pete. We finally found a true Pete talent, and there's no way he could ever make money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to a very special episode of the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast. This was not the show behind the show or the show within the show. In fact, it was just the 12 DA strung end to end. But hopefully you enjoyed it. We certainly did. How could we not memorialize the craziness of 2020 like the most dysfunctional quilt ever sewn together? the 12 DAs of Christmas. Remember to subscribe. Brand new episodes will be uploaded to your podcast feed and rate and review us if you have the chance. That will help others find us. Until 2021, to all a good night. The PGP is Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 